Welp, my chili stand is officially open for business here on Route 66. Hope I get some customers soon. This chili is getting room temperature. Oh, what do we have here? My very first customer pulling up right now. Did you say cowboy riding a horse in the bed of a truck? No. Then allow me. What you're looking at now is a cowboy riding a horse in the bed of a truck, which is completely normal by Route 66 standards. I'm the head of the Route 66 Preservation Society. You must be new around here. Yep. Just opened up today. Chili Spot. That's the name. Came to me in a dream. A dream about a spot where one could eat chili. Chili Spot. Hmm. I'm sorry, but as the head of the society, I'm afraid that name simply will not do. What's wrong with it? It's just not kitschy enough. If I'm driving down the mother road embodying the American spirit and that patriotic new world sun is giving me a thirst for chili, a name like that just isn't going to pull me in. It's a disgrace to the entire attitude of the root. Holy smokes, I, I didn't mean to offend the root. Well, you did. And when you offend Route 66, you offend every dinosaur gas station, every hotel that appropriates Native American culture, and every malfunctioning neon sign that all somehow seem to spell out butt hungry between here and the end of the world. Chicago. Well, I guess it is kind of plain. Hmm, what about Earl's Chili? Hmm, no, no. Maybe something a little edgier. Four dollars for a bowl of chili. That's what I'll call it. No, I can't call it that. Ooh, ooh, chilies. No, 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 it's not kitschy enough. How about Netflix and chili? Or maybe bring in some Route 66 star power. What if you called it Picture of Marilyn Monroe playing pool with James Dean and Dennis Hopper's chili extravaganza? And one other thing, why is your building shape so funny? What are those four pointy things on the sides? Corners? Well, it makes it shaped all funny, like a box or something. But you don't sell boxes here. It should be shaped like a kidney bean or a bowl or a chef sweating over a pot of chili, his son tugging on his apron, begging him to come home, but the chef refusing, saying, my customers mean more to me than you do, son. You'll have to turn 10 another day. You should make your restaurant shape like that. But I, I just wanted a humble little stand to serve chili out of. I don't want to make a spectacle. Yeah, about that. The inside is all wrong. Where's the giant emblem of Route 66 on the floor when you walk in? How come I can still see wall? It should be covered in rusty old junk and I love Lucy lunchboxes. Where's the jukebox that only plays Buddy Holly? Excuse me, sir. My chili speaks for itself. Let's dive at a place in order of what? What in tarnation? Oh, this is my chili mule. He's a mule made of chili. Well, golly, sir. It is an honor and a privilege. But as head of the Preservation Society, you gotta chain that thing up and market it as a roadside attraction. No, 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 no. He's a... He's real shy. He's a behind-the-scenes guy. Oh, come now. We're all a little shy, but we're not all made of chili. Now go on and get out front. I'll get the shackles. You know what? You're you're right. This place needs some razzle-dazzle. I'll get working turning our facade into a bowl right away. That's that's. Thanks for your advice. Forget the bowl. Let's get this affront to God out front for the world to see. No, no, I, no, I, I can't. It's, it's just not. It's not right. It is right because it makes money. Come on. No, I won't. Why not? Because he's a kid killer. You son of a bitch. I thought I smelled something fishy, and it's not that fish restaurant shaped like a fish. You see this novelty Lone Ranger badge? It means that here on Route 66, I'm the law. And the law says no kid killers can own a chili restaurant. Busted again. Guess this is the end of the line for us. He's bluffing. That's a cap gun. I could see the orange ring. Cap gun it may be. But there's one real bullet in here, and I got six shots. Run, chili the kid. Don't look back. Ooh, it's a 12-shooter. 
Ah, he's too far away. I'll save my last bullet for when I get lonely. He's gone anyway. He's Route 67's problem now. We were just trying to start a new life here on Route 66, and you had it right over here on your high horse that was made even higher because it was on a truck. Who are you to tell us what's right and what's wrong? Well, that may be, but... I forgot my valise. You killed him! Sure did. Now, rule of the root. Your friend hits the dirt, you gotta eat him. Now get to slurping. And make sure you get an Elvis-shaped mailbox put out front here. Good luck with your new business. Welcome to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Chili the kid. I'm sorry, friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> And so goes the tale of the lonesome grave of Chili the Kid. Don't forget to stop on your way out of L.A. Bringing the kids open 24 hours a day, seven days full of chili. Yeehaw! Hi, Hi, and welcome to another episode of Alley Meekly, the podcast I don't have you saying, are you still outside? It's You're still outside. Well, here's the question I asked for you. Are you all still outside? Because <laughs> I've seen your TikToks. <laughs> just been waiting to bring up TikTok. You, I just learned what TikTok You is. have been like pacing the garage, being like, TikTok, and they, and they want me to dance. I'm not going to dance. You, you dance. I only have six seconds to dance. <laughs> How can I do that? How do I join a K-pop band? In six seconds or less, <laughs> which is my new TikTok video. I can't wait till your wife makes you do TikTok. Yeah, my, my 12-year-old wife <laughs> is going to make you. Come on, Dada. <laughs> Clearly don't know enough about TikTok. But Pa, wear this panda head and cook a waffle. It's TikTok. <laughs> you sound like someone who's heard of the internet but never been on it. <laughs> I mean, I, I go to very specific parts of the internet. I'm not getting into details of what those specific parts are, but let's just say the FBI is listening. Uh, I know about TikTok and how to make things TikTok. TikTok, that's that uh, firework making website, right? That uh, firework. <laughs> the I one that all the to... Batman villains are raving about. Well, what is it? It's August now. Yeah, it's August. Oh, hi. I'm Daniel Zafrin. I'm Greg Gonzalez, and this is August 1st, 2020. <laughs> and that's been yet another episode of August 1st, <laughs> August Rush. Is that a thing? Remember that movie? No. I think it had Robin Williams in it. I think it was oh. about a little boy who played guitar. He would have been great on TikTok. That movie was way ahead of its time. I know the band Rush. Does that it's get me like, close? Yeah. It's the later years of Rush. <laughs> the uh, August of their life? Yeah. The Rush, a Russian August. <laughs> <laughs> a Russian winter. A Russian winter. <gasps> Wordplay. Um, it's all I'm good at. That's you talking, are, not me. Those are the only skills I've been practicing <laughs> during quarantine. associations. So first off, let's uh, welcome our new Patreon. Oh, Let, yeah, please. Let's welcome our the serfs that listen to us, the no good Nick. That don't when give we us say money. peasants, it's not a derogatory word. That's just you're at the bottom. That's just the way it is. You farm mostly. We what? eat turkey legs. Old you raise and the turkeys. <laughs> we eat turkey legs in the high tower. There's no distinction. We're all the same. But you don't get to eat. <laughs> so and eating for you is a celebration. Go ahead. We, yeah, you get to eat three times a year. <laughs> but we want to w- welcome our new Patreon supporters. Okay. We've got now Tyler C. Peterson. Hi, Tyler. Definitely not a surf. And we've also got Alberto Sistos. <gasps> Alberto. He's a certain musician of renown. He's on TikTok, isn't he's he? He's on a, TikTok. He's, he's, a, made, he's a regular he's August Rush. Why TikTok's so popular? He did the theme song 
to the podcast and now there's a, you know, there's a whole lawsuit he's trying to sue us to yeah. get the rights to that any, anyway the court yeah. ordered him to subscribe to us on Patreon so we get his money he was part of your wedding party and I was telling our good friends Chris and Cindy and Ada that I was so mad because he's so naturally funny yeah. and so casually knocks things out of the park yeah. has no need to be a comedian he doesn't have that thing in him where he's like everyone has to hear this he, he's, he's he's just like funny for the sake of being he's funny he's one of that whole group of friends that like everyone in that group is like that and I love it and it also makes me furious like none of you are trying <laughs> as hard as me but you're all way funnier than I'll ever you be you know you have that disease you don't have the disease yeah. that I have where I have to show everybody how funny I am you just do <laughs> show everybody I have to and they don't they, sometimes uh, all the times they just don't quite get it need I remind you August Rush <laughs> so yeah those are our new Patreon people I I'm took sure water very funny too oh no Tyler's no, not, not part Tyler. of that group no <laughs> he's, he's a glorified peasant yeah. sure very funny I'm sure he could host this but yeah better than one of us good not me um <laughs> well, that's not gonna who is the person who always leaves something for the last second and never does research to the full? Is it that one? So before we get into August, yes. August Rush. You have to stop saying it because I don't know what that means. It's a, movie I don't, that, it's a movie that nobody should remember. And you keep rattling it off like you're remember, selling stock in it. Look, oh, did someone say August Rush? I finally got a Schwab account. <laughs> and I know I know that August, Ru- August, August Rush, August Rush bagosh is going <laughs> up. I know back. it's coming back. I'm going to get those cute little denim overalls. For my son. When all this is over <laughs> and suddenly we don't have to wear masks anymore, you're going to want to wear overalls. I have really come to love the phrase. Uh, at first, the phrase was... Uh in these trying times or these yeah. challenges now like when this is all over is now my new favorite thing because it's not going to be over we're all going to be dead by the time it's over yeah. remember how we thought this would be done in like three months I was talking to Ada last night about that how we like I thought it was going to be two weeks yeah. at the most and now it's four months and it we're clearly going to be worse. yeah clearly it's going to be till next March and, and even then it was like well we just need a vaccine and now it's like well the vaccine might kill you but it also is going to take <sighs> like six months to get enough to kill yeah. you I mean you're going to want to rush to get the vaccine the thing about it is it's a more excruciating death than COVID-19 but you're gonna want to get it it cures COVID-19 it gives you you were the one saying it gives you polio I was gonna say it gives you the bubonic plague you always have to up me don't you yeah because I'm I'm not Alberto (laughs) Alberto would never one up you because he's always on the top yeah he's always he doesn't have to one up anybody it's like we're playing that game where you put your hand over the bat like Mm -hmm. one hand on top of the other one but his hand is already on top he's the bat he's the bat yeah (laughs) the batman uh tiktok batman tiktok uh stop word association it's just not so let's talk about in the last month what 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 did you what was the last month july wait was it yeah july we're in it still this month is july did i do anything i i drove to mount wilson really first time yeah Mm -hmm. how long did that take it took like an hour and some change it was a really nice drive i was listening to podcasts that weren't mine so obviously it was a nice drive that was rude but was there (laughs) snow up there no but i could see how it would i was so high up in the air frighteningly high up in the air Ooh, it's still jazz now. Um. That was a bong I was making a noise of. <laughs> this is not what that sounds like. Um, it sounds like an no, anteater li- let loose. I've listened to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I've seen dudes where it's my car. Dudes who's misplaced my automobile. Uh, yeah, I drove to Mount Wilson. It was, I mean, the, it was all like caged off, so it was just like a nice drive. It's one of those places where like there's no way that when I, at the end of this wiggly drive, I'll be back in La Crescenta. There's no way that this is attached to a freeway that runs by my house. Do you think if you drove up there in the snow, it would be dangerous? 
Yeah, I think so. Mm, like I, I don't know, but I, I'm, it's pretty high up in the air, and the roads are like really curvy. So I think that oh. I always worry about that with snow. Cur- I always worry about curves. I, I can't handle curve. curves. I, I like a nice uh, svelte road. <laughs> and then on my way down, I was really like I had driven up. I was listening to Stephen Colbert talk, so I was I was just like at peace with myself. <laughs> I love long drives. They like really help my brain feel like I'm moving, but I'm not doing anything too extraneous. <laughs> so like a long drive listening to Stephen Colbert, I felt so good, and I turned the corner and a brush fire had just broke out and i thought oh no and i tried to call 911 to get the fire department and i had no signal because i was up in the hills and i was like i could put it out myself and then i heard sirens so i after i was done taking pictures yeah, I so finally i can use this sand <laughs> maybe if i throw it. brush on it yeah. it'll help all this lighter fluid might put it out <laughs> TikTok, batman you could have used your walkie-talkie to i could have uh, ha- oh so i thought it would be a pretty funny idea to buy me and Daniel walkie-talkies. And was it funny? <laughs> in theory, like, it, on it paper, w- it's pretty funny. It like, was I, really funny. I would have loved to be, because I mailed you yours, and I didn't tell mm-hmm. you what was coming, and I would have liked to see your face when you opened it and saw a walkie-talkie. What it I really was- wanted was for you to open the mail and signal to me that you had your walkie-talkie, because we we can't do that. We have Well, first off, we have our in our heads the idea of, like, he has a walkie-talkie, I have mm-hmm. a walkie-talkie, we're the only two people with yeah. walkie-talkies. Oh my God, Just yeah. press a button and we're talking to each other, but there's, like, 400 sub channels that yeah. you can go into channel 22 i'll find a way to put that onto our instagram but channel 22 is a, a party it's a real party of we, like incels and weird dudes we don't know if channel if we're getting the same channel 22 because whenever you listen they're talking about the dodgers yeah. and whenever i listen they're making fun of mexican people <laughs> hey you can like the dodgers and still make fun of mexican people just ask anybody in los angeles they're not exclusive there's a venn diagram in the city <laughs> it's called la crescenta but it's like listening to art bell like melissa mm-hmm. said this is like because they were going on about like alien conspiracy theories and like booby trapping your house and talk and about the smartest man in the world there was one guy on it who was explaining dare i say mansplaining <laughs> about like you see in the 80s we were afraid of russians and then he, he was saying well there was this guy stephen hawking and he was like the smartest guy in the world now there's this other guy he's he's the new smartest guy in the world and i looked him up he's the guy from ancient aliens <laughs> it's really entertaining to, yeah because we take these crazy long walks all the time and like halfway through we're like well, i have nothing else to say to you so then we'll turn on uh channel 22 on yeah the, on the walkie talkie and listen to these people I feel. Uh, have you ever read the short story "Enormous Radio" from John Cheever? No. Uh, Is it sexy though? It could easily de-evolve it. What am I listening to? I think that Elon Musk is launching something. What that is bird's that? Scared. What is that? It's a trash truck, but it blended with the sound of a plane, uh, so it sounds like a yeah, plane it, is landing. It sounds like one of the simulator things at the Science Center. Right, yeah. This is what it's like to get cut up in the airplane propellers. <laughs> this is what it's like to be the guy that Indiana Jones punched. <laughs> Anyways, it, this couple gets a radio, and they can hear the abuse happening in the apartment across, and, and she keeps saying, we have to stop it, and he's like, there's no way to stop it. <laughs> and she's like, you, you have to let it go, and he's like, how can I let it go? I feel like I gave that to you as a present. You did. Yeah. I, what I really want to hear is you, and what I'm getting is people talking about element 115 or whatever they have to talk about <laughs> i don't know why i thought that walkie talkies would work in echo park when i for years couldn't get cell phone coverage and I, this is better internet Trust companies me. were literally telling me i would call like internet companies that were in at&t and they're like oh you got to go to this other company there's no way that we can cover that area you're at the bottom of three hills and i don't know why i thought but a walkie talkie 
unlock your mind, Greg. <laughs> Listen to Channel 22. You're not being capped by Verizon. Here. <laughs> I still think we could get it working. I bet there's a way to hotwire it. Because there's the extender button, and I think if I stand on top of a hill... Mm-hmm. If I go to the top of Baxter... I, I think uh, yeah, if you're on the top of Baxter, and I'm way up above Ventura Boulevard, and we're both naked, and mm-hmm. it's a full moon, yeah, 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 I yeah. think it could work. I think it'll work. I think we yeah. can make this work. I think if we get enough foil around our heads, we can get it to work. <laughs> if we just pave the streets with foil. <laughs> you read my short story. <laughs> you read my manifesto. <laughs> so my thing of the month is not nearly as in i was thinking of making the walkie talkies the thing in the yeah. month but the only thing i've had contact with really is hcidla which is the housing and community investment Jesus. department los An- of los angeles right. because as listeners loyal listeners of the show will know that i'm trying i've been manipulated and taken advantage of by my landlord uh, for over a year now and i've had to contact the hcidla so many times like is this legal is yeah. this legal oh my god and they actually like a lot of times they can't really help but lately when they there were things about the landlord trying to raise rent during coronavirus yeah. and all this stuff and i called them like what are they allowed to do what are they not allowed to do and they were really helpful like when you send in an online form it's not helpful at all yeah. but when you get them on the phone they're they're very helpful if you're having any issues with your landlord yeah. or anything That's like good that to know, especially people now we're on the yeah. brink of going to complete war with landlords now landowners. oh my god if that's the civil war we've been leading up to give me my walkie-talkie <laughs> and my trusty epe i've been slowly buying piece by piece riot gear <laughs> over the last couple <laughs> months i'm ready landlord. to go to war with whatever, whatever thing is outside my door figure. i'm ready to i'm ready to get beaten up by you should listen to channel 22 <laughs> you might want to think about booby trapping your home but yeah it's you can also if there's any problems you, you can report them to them which i'm always it's always something like you know you can report this and i'm always too scared to yeah. actually report it but if you really have to they'll do it and they'll they'll enforce it that's good to do yeah it's good to have someone on your side sorry i'm not yawning because your story's boring oh, uh, well, you didn't, you didn't actually do anything this month um, suddenly i'm not talking about play things that <laughs> you mailed to me but no they should definitely cancel rent go ahead what <laughs> uh, me as a landlord uh, sh- i'm a double agent that was july let's get into august with our listener question right did i mention august rush already the movie now on dvd <laughs> the dvd sales are soaring <laughs> this one is another one from amelia Ura. On the third Instagram. host of our show. Yeah. He's the New York City of <laughs> the show. So his question again is what's your favorite intro and what's your least favorite intro? Which I was scared to ask you this because yeah. I knew you were going to give me some snarky answer. Is it snarky when I'm being honest? Um, yeah. Let's do the least favorite first. Okay. Yeah. Let's do least favorite. I came up with all of mine. I have the least favorite and then a runner up. I should have expected this oh, from you, didn't you. Get you categorized it and yeah. probably uh i learned excel Here are my just favorite for lines. this uh, it's funny you mentioned that oh my god <laughs> i'm gonna braid their hair uh <laughs> hang on let me update the, <laughs> the magazine it. one shut up uh the magazine one i think it might be my least that favorite. was uh, i was thinking about that one yeah too. that was one where i think that we had a first chunk uh-huh. and then we spent three hours trying to come up with the next move and then we went absurd like look what if it's just this crazy thing yeah and then we were just so tired that we thought that was funny and yeah. we moved forward instead of <laughs> it being logical so when you listen to it it goes like part a part b part g you're like wait <laughs> part b part letter and cyrillic <laughs> yeah that that was what i noticed with my least favorite ones was it was either ones where like we didn't have we were we felt kind of rushed and we yeah. had to, like the one specifically i picked as my least favorite i remember i remember recording all of them but i remember we like had somewhere to be right. and and we we had to go somewhere and we couldn't really come up with it but then the other ones are like yeah it's we can't figure out how to end it or what exactly yeah. to do and it gets too crazy and there's a lot of 
tags that like the very last joke ruins most of it. Like I think that I love the parade one. You're uh, describing the new Twilight Zone. Go on. Yeah, I am. Yeah. The new Twilight Zones are perfect because they have the same problem with the original Twilight Zone. Is like near hits. That last yeah. button really sucks. Yeah. Anyways, are you going to talk about He's the He's got film? a third eyeball. The what? film one? Yes. That's the one where we ha- I had to go to work. The, yes, that's yeah. the one. My least favorite one was I wrote Boner Saw. Boner Saw. But yeah, yeah, that was my least favorite one. That's one of the but, two that But I you know down. what? As I listened back to it, yeah, from the, the LA movies episode, yeah. I, I wrote Except for Unimpeach a Line, yeah. Navigational Prowess, uh-huh. uh, Button Fly Becoming Button Flu, and Mary Had a Little Doctor. <laughs> and then as I was listening to all that, I was like, maybe I kind of like this one. But I don't think I do because it was also based around a crude concept, yeah, a crass concept. And I, I kind of don't like that. Yeah, yeah, you don't like crude. I remember Paul Stein sent us a message. He's like, boy, what a stinker. And I'm like, reaction was like people listen to the intro he said that yeah oh wow uh, i didn't know about that you um, did know about that because i read it to you and you're like huh <laughs> okay. i guess i must have um blacked out <laughs> but wow. i totally agree with them because it is clearly the worst yeah that, one. that one's the worst one yeah but, but like i we when we did the episode that's just intros even the ones that we like the least still have one or two lines that's what I, like, that's what i'm finding we should just shout boner saw as an intro and then that be that if we could condense all of our intros into like two minutes yeah you'd never stop laughing but i have my runner up as my least favorite one it's the first timers hanky panky yeah that's not great yeah from the black trailblazers episode except the line i'm slipping i've slept right you like wordplay like that uh everyone likes that the intro starts to work kind of towards the end i noticed there's a line in there that's like i'm I'm slipping i've I've slept (laughs) i've never buried a body after killing a woman after laying pipe or something like that that. that's towards the end and that's when it starts clicking right it's like yeah i've never killed someone after ripping her her (laughs) chest open and and breaking her laying pipe or something like that it's some it's a really stupid line but i remember that that so if you ask me about hanky panky that's the only thing that i remember because the rest of it's so dumb i think you should remember i'm slipping i've slept um what's your favorite one i wrote down five here i wrote down a few and i was like i can't pick more than two yeah. and even that's pushing it so if i'm talking about me what might be the most perfect one i think it might be the roller coaster yeah you really like that one i do like i because i like lists and it has one of the funniest comedic beats which is like now nah, there's too many foot fetishes out there and there's just a perfect amount of time before i say no there aren't and then like you cut me off right away and then we call back to it later <laughs> their feet funny. do dangle and it's my job to touch all the feet that one's funny yeah i, li- I like a, and it's I, also short which is it's nice. also sh- incredibly <laughs> short it was easy to write because it was just a list of stupid stuff oh yeah also like don't shoot me like you shot those monkeys is really funny some of them i listened back to i'm like what like who wrote this <laughs> So I think like the getting to end that one is it works really well. What are your other four? <laughs> um, the cowboy one is my other favorite. I know you like that cowboy one, and I like it too. The only problem with it is that it's very meta. It's like very related to us. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's yeah. not something that like people who have never listened to this before would appreciate. Yeah, but it is really funny it's if really you funny. know us. My favorite line from that is like the long list of stuff that the guy's gonna do to the, <laughs> the Ally Meekly boys, and the, right in the middle is like I'm gonna braid their hair. That was one where I remember specifically us cracking up. Yeah, that was well. Up. Like the was, whole thing that was the one that the making of oh, videos right. about so you can watch some clips that's of us right. thinking we're so hilarious so to hilarious. each other <laughs> and i look so tired in that video the disneyland yeah, one's that really video good. disneyland one is my runner-up disneyland oh, okay. escape disneyland escape yeah, from really the olympics funny. episode i really like that one but mostly because i remember we were going through in our heads the layout of yeah, disneyland so right. that we couldn't plan out like <laughs> he's gonna jump he's gonna swim through the finding yeah. nemo thing jump over the moat we yeah. like planned it out so so you could follow it through the park <laughs> (laughs) perfectly (laughs) and then we had a switch hit 
Goofy. The goofy. Yeah, yeah. we had to switch at Goofy because I could do one part do of it. Goofy you can do laugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we've stuck together for so long. You can do Goofy voice and I can do Goofy laugh. <laughs> the parade one is almost perfect if yeah, it wasn't for that last, last button. What is the last part that you don't like? I don't It's remember. about like, did you sleep with my, or did you incest my sister or something like that? Like it completely like makes a right turn for something we're like, we need to end this good, but like we could have just ended it. Did you incest my sister? Yeah, something like that. Oh, I'm asking you. Oh, did yeah. I mean, come on. What do you want to say? Oh, how can I have everybody? I think that maybe your best performance your best performance might be okay the intro is not perfect the halloween episode but it's the candy factory one yeah i think that it didn't need to start where it started at because we have a whole like him finding the can like it could have just started at the candy factory but once we're at the candy factory it's really funny with the willy wonka thing yeah with the willy wonka huh, thing interesting i mean i feel like i've delivered some powerhouse performances mm, uh, but no. It's re- I thought you did great in that one. It's not a perfect intro, but I thought your performance was solid. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, I don't really remember what exactly happened inside of the... I keep yelling at you, but you're like, oh, what the truth. And you have like a really like, like the voice is really nervous and like, oh, I don't, yeah, oh. I'm like, hey, there better not be any whimsy here. And all this stuff is really old and dusty. It's like, oh, it's because I don't have any help here. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the I remember the uh, Oompa Loompa thing. It starts awful. It ends well and the middle is really good. This is my favorite one, but I like the candy god part of that one right i like of the i like one. just i just i like the the can alternate candy monster dimension yeah that's another that's another one that like we have a whole thing and yeah the end of it's a the best the candy monster oh the snakes see so many of them start oh, yeah, so far before thing. the funny gets we get to be funny but the when we're in the room with <gasps> all life, the snakes baby. it's pretty funny yeah well i'm not gonna learn anything from that yeah no. uh, from that critique my favorite <laughs> one is baby hitler I think yeah that, you really do like baby hitler i really like i think that's a i think any chance i can get to kill, kill hitler, hitler <laughs> in any possible form but i i think that's a solid uh, yeah. raising hitler from a baby until he's 18 so we could kill him because yeah. we love him too much <laughs> i think it's a good concept mm-hmm. i think there's maybe ones that are funnier but i think that's a solid concept yeah yeah yeah, for sure and it's a, it's crazy that we're never going to do another one but i think it's worth it we'll, we'll uh, probably wait a spend that we'll spend that time writing real stuff that it can actually advance <laughs> we'll us send that of, we'll, <laughs> The part of the episode everyone skips. We'll spend that time writing my short story about Channel 22 on the radio. I want people to publicly support these intros just so you can uh, shut up. If someone's never heard of our <laughs> podcast and they start and they hear an intro, they're like, no. But then they people skip it and get through it and then they say no. <laughs> First of all, support us verbally. Spurt us vocally on these intros, but also send us more listener questions, people. Yeah. Not, I only have like two or three left. I'll ask a question. You can write it down. We'll answer it later. Why do we still do intros? Uh, okay, so we need new questions. A, a car drove by. I couldn't hear what you were saying. So send, if you have a listener question you want us to answer, send it to us on Twitter at LA Meekly, Instagram LA underscore Meekly, or email us la.meekly at gmail.com. You've been eating Sour Patch Kids the entire time. Not the entire time. I was pulling my weight around here. I was doing... What one? Hard labor. Yeah, throw it, rub it around in the side of your, your <laughs> cheek and then throw it into my mouth. We said candy too much for me to not eat candy. <laughs> Somebody say baby Hitler. <laughs> okay, so I let's hold him on my arms. Have you met Aiden? <laughs> have you met Aiden? Aiden? <laughs> so let's, uh, I'm slipping, I've slept. So let's get to this month's episode. It's August. The only way anyone can really travel right now, God, that's disgusting listening to you eat Sour Patch Kids in the microphone. <laughs> Let's try with walkie-talkies. You go on top of Baxter and eat Sour Patch Kids. Maybe the sourness will supercharge the radio signals. The only way anyone can travel right now is by driving. Yeah. So I think we should do an episode on Route 66. Oh my I'm, God. I'm, 
Are you pitching to me last yeah. month? As if we, I'm creating a new angle to the show that we come up with it all on the spot. Well, you know, let me tell you a little bit about this little theater. I don't know if you've heard it before. Yeah. Just reading the most scripted things and we're <laughs> pretending like we're making it up. So did you see source number two says... <laughs> you hear about this? Anybody, uh, you guys watching the news? I recently went down, because me and my girlfriend are like obsessed with Route 66 stuff I in love California. Yeah, yeah, I love Route 66. Because she lives in Victor, or she will stay in Victorville sometimes. She protests in Victorville. But Victorville was like, Route 66 ran through Victorville, especially yeah. Old Town Victorville, which is like completely run down and scary now. But um, there's like a Route 66 museum, which is uh, might close soon. But we're always trying to find like the patches in between San Bernardino and LA of Route 66, and we like to take it. But we took a trip to Amboy for the, the roadside sign i forgot what it's called roy's garage or roy's motel it's a really cool name oh is that the one you sent me yeah that's the one i sent you we went there then we went through like joshua tree and everything but like route 66 is like a yeah i I like hang on why is everything louder than usual today what why is everything exactly why is everything louder than usual today weekend everyone's flying weekend it's It's monday it's the weekend is it monday it is monday uh, oh no oh no how'd we at? i'm late for work from home so we thought we would do roots uh, we just came up with this how about this route 66 in los angeles that's what we wanted to cover because there's uh it started with me of like i i, I want to talk about galco's and it was kind of based about around that because galco's is all like route 66 you got to go to galco's galco's not on route 66 nope, or never. even that close to route nope, 66 never went through there <laughs> yeah so the other things though there's some things on mine at least that are like oh yeah that's pretty route 66 but then there's some that are like you know, anything on Santa Monica Boulevard is going to be Route 66. Yeah. And there's also so many different permutations of the route in Los Angeles that right. it gave so much leeway of like, yeah. we could cover anything really. Here, let me get into the route itself because it's really confusing how it was in Los Angeles. And I went through at least two websites trying to explain <laughs> it to me. It's really confusing all the different things because there was like simultaneous Route 66s and like alternate routes of 666. Let, let's first, uh, here, this is all spontaneous. First, give a little history of what Route 66 is. Just off the top of my head. Mainly the, off the dome, as, uh, <laughs> as they say on TikTok. Mainly to explain to our international listeners who are so unfortunately un-American and embarrassingly free of coronavirus and might not be familiar <laughs> with Route 66. But also, I didn't really know anything about it except the song and it was the only road that i'd ever get on a motorcycle for and those are the two things i've, I've always you had... didn't know that it couldn't it was the one route in between i, I like knew the that east coast and the west coast but it's not even the east coast it's to chicago, chicago which i think is the east coast <laughs> i consider that that sounds far <laughs> you're going to phoenix wow is it wow. snow in the east coast Tell me, send me a letter from that ocean is that a new dutch settlement <laughs> you know i know it exists but like i don't know the los angeles part of it it's so confusing i think i figured it out i think i got it by that i mean I read two articles by people who did figure it out. In the early 1900s, the U.S. was just a, it was just a viney mess of just different roads and paths, but there was no cohesive road that connected the two sides of the country, which was becoming more necessary because in, in 1010, I assume that's 1910, my computer had a Y2K in the middle <laughs> of it. In binary, binary, there were 500,000 cars in the country in 1910, but by 1920, there were almost 10 million cars. Jeez. So Ford just worked hard. Yeah, just working hard to bring back baby. Hitler bring back he was he was ba- he was baby Hitler uh, I know that I'm like 31 but can you get a baby version of me for this reason in 1914 the national old trails road was created that ran from New York City to Los Angeles that's the East Coast
coast, you know. New York? There's an ocean there? There's, there's, there's a New York? York? <laughs> you mean Yorkshire, right? This ocean, ocean, ocean thoroughfare, they called it. It went across the country and arrived. Wow, you just finished a beer and crushed it on your head. <laughs> it arrived into town via Foothill Boulevard, and it ended up at the close enough to Los Angeles part of town of Alhambra at Huntington Drive. So that's where the old National okay. Old Trails Road it sort of ended. So this quaint route existed for a little over a decade before the route system started developing and some people started calling for a more polished cross-country road. Which Cars is, couldn't break on it because it's so polished. It was it's Bullet. <laughs> they tried filming Bullet on it and Steve McQueen died three times. <laughs> I just watched the movie so I know the trivia. He's dead four times over. They wanted this new polished, like a nice cross-country road, a road that could accommodate more... Mm, wallets and disposable <laughs> income how's my wallet supposed to fit on this road i mean where's the lane for my bank account to drive <laughs> down and get emptied on every single exit a guy named cyrus avery who was an oklahoma real estate mogul he started pushing for a new route that would get more people coming through oklahoma Jeez. so that he could sell more real estate but this new route would go instead of nyc of new york city uh, that's abbreviated nyc to la it's abbreviated los angeles uh louisiana from uh, from new york city louisiana so instead of going from New York City to Los Angeles, it would go instead from Chicago CH to Los Angeles. But the old National Old Trails Road was already there. It would mostly just follow that same path since okay. it was already kind of a road towards Los Angeles. It would it would just be the same path renamed? For most of it, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think they tweaked a few things to get like, I've got this barn that has a really big milk jug in yeah. it. I think people might want to stop and they see They might want to go an hour north and then come back down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got a cricket farm. <laughs> this road was completed in 1926 and it was known as Route 66 and began at the intersection of Jackson Boulevard and Michigan Avenue in Chicago. It went down through the Midwest and then through the Southwest until it got to LA County limits, which is where things get very confusing. Okay. Since it was following the old trails road, it still entered town through Foothill, but now it actually went to Los Angeles City proper instead of close enough Alhambra. Yeah. Did it have a stop in on Huntington Drive or is it just like... I mean, there's no... It, it's not, You know, it's just like a road. It's like okay, a, right. you just pull over anywhere right like but it wasn't freeway. like a, this is the last cool stop of old route 66 or was no, it like, it was it wasn't old risk okay, like yeah. it is route the the ethos is being created right, as we speak okay. greg because this is remember this is all happening i didn't spit i don't spit i learned not to i didn't say spit <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting so far apart <laughs> we can't even understand <laughs> i want to get walkie talkie get on top of baxter and <laughs> let's record this i want to go back in a room so we can actually hear each other <laughs> and you don't have your sockless feet up on your car i mean huck finn and i really like it. You heard the word Oklahoma. You <laughs> took your shoes and socks off. I have off. a bandana around my neck. My pants are rolled up <laughs> yeah. to my knee. You got a pitchfork on yeah, your I side. have straw in yeah, my Is that a pitchfork in your pocket? <laughs> or are you from Oklahoma? <laughs> so now you would come into Pasadena along Colorado Boulevard. Okay. Then go south along Fair Oaks Avenue to Huntington Drive to Mission Road to Broadway, which would take you downtown and would end at the official end of Route 66 at 7th and Broadway, right by Clifton's. Clifton's, yeah. So that's, that was the end of the road. No, or what, beginning, sorry, what or, or beginning of the road. <laughs> this is when did it start? Twenties. Uh, Early 20s, okay. 1926. It was uh, early 20s, 1926. You know, early that, 20s, you know, mid 20s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the later half of the 20s, the early 20s. It's, it's all so spontaneous. We all made this up. I mean, I'm coming up with it in my head. Like, I'm just reminding, mean, I have to walk th- walk me through it, Greg. Uh, walk me, talk me through it. <laughs> so, this was the route until 1936, but it, you know, the early 30s. But in that time, several alternate Route 66 paths had to be added because more and more cars were coming and they needed like a ways like way to alleviate 
some of the traffic. Right. Okay. Waze, it's it's kind of like TikTok. It's like TikTok, but yeah. for cars. <laughs> your car can do a dance with your dad and people really like <laughs> you it. You can look up GPS routes, but only for six seconds and then it disappears. <laughs> six second detours. It's not a bad name for a TikTok channel. Um, the alternate route from 1931 to 34 had you go along Fair Oaks, but then go right on Mission Street into Highland Park along Pasadena Avenue to York to Figueroa back to Pasadena then to Broadway to downtown. So that was the first alternate route. Then another alternate one was added in 1935 that ignored Fair Oaks completely and took you out of Pasadena via the Colorado Street Suicide Bridge, which was one of the things I was like, we could talk about the Suicide Bridge yeah. now. I just learned a great fact the other day about it. Save it. Save I'll it. save it for when we're being spontaneous. <laughs> I'll write a three-page paper on how spontaneously I thought about so, a woman yeah, throwing the, her baby off. The next episode is about being spontaneous, <laughs> so you can you can do it in that one. Spontaneity in Los Angeles. Yeah. So it went across Suicide Bridge through Eagle Rock, then a left on Eagle Rock Boulevard, left on San Fernando Road to connect to Broadway to take you to downtown. It's awful. I've been down San Fernando Road. Yeah, it's kind of a, an ugly route, that one, for yeah. part of it. But then things changed completely when it became clear that downtown LA was no longer the western end of mm-hmm. civilization. Like, there's still more now so now the city stretched all the way to santa monica so route 66 as well had to be extended so Uh, it goes to the continue i i I know what you're gonna say and you're wrong okay (laughs) which i I know you're used to me saying that to you but this time you're wrong because i haven't said it first and after i say it you might be right i'm not alberto sistos i'm here to one-up you so now instead of going to clifton's when you were on broadway you would turn along what is now cesar chavez avenue to sunset boulevard to mira which used to connect over to santa monica boulevard right which would then take you all the way west to lincoln where you turned left to a ride at the new and still current official of Route 66, the intersection of Lincoln and Olympic, mm-hmm. right by Mel's. It's like a freeway off-ramp, basically. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly... Oh, so you knew that. I, kn- I know uh. the intersection. Huh. I'm quite familiar with areas. I'm, my navigational prowess won't let me be wrong. Best line in that intro. <laughs> I've slept. This is the true end of Route 66. But then... But- <laughs> But a challenger <laughs> enters. But the reason it was there was because there was a federal rule that highways can't end in a dead end and not connect to another highway. Freaking wall. Yeah. And <laughs> well, you didn't get off that. You got to slam into that wall. You got to go straight into it like uh, Wiley Coyote. So they picked here because this intersects with Route 1, the PCH, and right. can keep your American journey flowing. Mm-hmm. Right? Going Now time to head north. So it all kind of loops together. There's a sign at this intersection marking it as the beginning or end of Route 66, depending on what way you look at it. Yeah. But this freeway off-ramp isn't really an intersection a lot of tourists are impressed by. So in yeah. 2009, it wasn't. They decided to put up a phony plaque at the beginning of the Santa Monica Pier as a more postcard-worthy end of that route. So that's only been for 10, I didn't know 11 that. years. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's kind of disappointing. Because yeah. I always thought like, oh, we'll drive Route 66 one day. We'll start at the pier and drive all the way to, we'll drive all the way to that hot dog stand in Chicago. Right. I would have felt incomplete if I didn't start at Lincoln yeah, I, and Olympic. <laughs> we start at Mel's and then we drive to the Mel's that's over there in Chicago. Yeah, but it, he's, he's really big and he hates the bears or whatever. Things got even more confusing in the 40s when the Arroyo Seco Parkway was created and confused Route 66 even further. In the late 40s, Route 66 changed to follow the new Arroyo Seco Parkway to take you to Sunset to Santa Monica. So now you're basically the Arroyo Seco was Route 66. Then in 1953, it changed yet again when the Hollywood Freeway opened. So now you went from the Arroyo Seco 110 to the Hollywood Freeway 101 to Santa Monica to Santa Monica. I thought the point was roadside stuff 
So why are you it, on a freeway? This is, this is, at this point, it's barely. So far beyond that. It's yeah. It's not. It's not even. Let okay. me finish this. Yeah. <laughs> let me finish talking spontaneously. Yeah. Let me just finish this thought I had. <laughs> so in all, Route 66 has had a fitting six different routes in Los Angeles, and in pure LA fashion, it got replaced by a freeway. By 1964, it was no longer listed in maps of LA because freeways were just more efficient. Yeah. And on June 22nd, 1985, Route 66 was officially decommissioned. They took it behind the barn the world's <laughs> biggest barn they shot it with the world's biggest bullet <laughs> in the u.s so it was decommissioned which is why it's now always referred to as historic route 66 so it's not an official road anymore yeah. it's just nostalgia now yeah i don't know if like in the fifth in the 40s and 30s like was it what it is now or did that not happen till after it got yeah, romanticized I'm, i don't really know that's weird yeah i'm thinking about now thinking about the song and like, who did the song and what era yeah, did it come from I guess and so. were they looking but, at it nostalgically or they were like but, oh no this is the pop and but, yeah, but, but by getting kicks, do they mean like pull over and eat at this hot dog stand? Yeah. Or do they mean just like get your kicks you can get from Los Angeles to Chicago yeah. really quickly? Yeah, I guess I should listen to the lyrics. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, so that's that's just the, the ah, my spontaneity has ended. Now let's get to the actual show. I'll start it off by my first thing on the route in the, the entryway of Los Angeles discounting the Foothill Boulevard area yes. but my first one is All's Fair Oaks in Love Oaks and War Oaks God darn it this, you won't stop doing that it's only intensified when I sit home for 24 20- three hours a day but you haven't been in my apartment in a while all the walls are just different words and i have red strings i got this idea from channel 22 red strings this first stop on our road trip is a place near and dear to my cholesterol traffic jam of a heart the fair oaks pharmacy you do love this. i place. love this place have you you've been there i've been there yeah it, uh, i don't think i've eaten there really before. yeah really yeah. well i can't have ice cream i know they have That's like true. sandwiches and stuff they do and they also have we'll get to it but they have some sort of alternatives also for people like you i will walk by fair oaks I'll walk by the place that I did research on and I'll just go to Gus's Barbecue. What's Gus's Barbecue? It's a really good barbecue place on Fair Oaks. Huh. You wouldn't know. It's not kitsch enough for you. <laughs> is it shaped like a giant bottle of barbecue sauce? Kids didn't ride their bike there in the 50s, so why would you go? <laughs> a TikTok. Anything relating to anybody that's in high school or younger, I assume is TikTok. <laughs> the building that is at 1526 Mission Street at the corner of Fair Oaks was designed by Arthur Benton mm-hmm. and built in 1914. So it's that building's from 1914. It was owned by a woman named Gertrude Osman, who was one of the first female entrepreneurs in the area. And she bought it because she foresaw that the area would someday be a shopping hub. Good Women. She just wanted an easy place to buy her own hats. <laughs> Men. Men. In 1915, a pharmacy opened up in there called the South Pasadena Pharmacy to serve the community. And it was actually one of the only places in South Pasadena to allow black customers inside, which is oh. nice. So they sold medicine, but a lot of pharmacies also in this time, pharmacies came equipped with soda fountains because for a long, glorious period of history, soda was seen as medicinal. <laughs> but even after it became abundantly clear, it was not medicinal they still kept the soda fountains because their medicine tasted terrible so this was a way to make a little more money by offering something tasty to wash the awful medicine flavor okay i'll get a little bit of cocaine i'll get some nyquil but can you you top it off with some orange crush this cocaine tastes terrible (laughs) i need a phosphate and please make it with heroin you stir it with a heroin stick instead of needle it's that yeah (laughs) can you pour your own blood into it i hear that's good for you the past was so stupid and look at us now we're so (laughs) 
<laughs> we're so healthy and smart about what's good for you. I'll never wear a mask. But I will do cocaine and drink soda. This was their operation in the little backwater town of South Pasadena until the 20s when they were renamed the Raymond Pharmacy and Good Fortune literally fell on their footsteps when Route 66 was made to go directly past their front door and suddenly everybody loves Raymond Pharmacy. <laughs> to draw in, that took a really long red, I red string to, <laughs> to draw. Everybody loves, no, nothing's coming to me. No. Golden, no. Everybody hates Chris, Raymond Pharmacy. All I in the pharmacy, no. <laughs> to draw in these new Midwestern explorers, they put in a lunch counter. So now it's suddenly a great little place to stop in for lunch and a soda and of course, ice cream. Because nobody was lactose intolerant back then. <laughs> I just S-word a lot everywhere I go. I'm not lactose intolerant. Because I'm American. Um, My stomach's just always hot. It was a great last stop before you went into LA proper. And during this time, they even had a Pacific Electric ticket office inside so you could buy your tickets beforehand you, before yes. you got in the city. In 1930, it was bought by a guy named Ed Gaskill. Everybody loves Ed Gaskill. <laughs> and was renamed Gaskill's Raymond Pharmacy. I hate when places like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, I hate it when they just add a name as owning another name yeah. of a name of a place i can't get rid of the old name that's why yeah. people come people i can't come. and i can't put my name because nobody will come <laughs> i can't not put yeah, my I can't name not put my name yeah <laughs> but in 1950 it finally got a good name and was renamed the fair oaks pharmacy but right. once route 66 became a dusty old novelty road so did the pharmacy like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that much fun it was still a functional place but it wasn't it was for like the neighborhood it wasn't really an attraction anymore yeah. that changed in 1989 when it was bought by michael and meredith miller who made it their mission to restore the place to its old Route 66 glory. But they didn't want to just modernize it with cheap knockoffs. They wanted to restore it to what it used to be. And if they couldn't, then with actual relics from other places on Route 66. They brought back the original glory of the ceilings and the floors, but the other stuff was beyond repair. So they had to look further down Route 66 all the way to Joplin, Missouri <laughs> at the McGee Pharmacy. McGee Pharmacy in you Joplin. Bobby McGee Pharmacy? Did you do that one? You rich? You don't have any red string for Janis Joplin references, no, do you? No, that's that's a little too out there for me. And they're in Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. And you didn't do me about Big McGee. Wow. Oh, that really. It, look, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Look, <laughs> I don't like this hippie crap <laughs> getting involved in my. Tell her to get a crew cut. Join the military. <laughs> you and Bobby McGee. You know what? I'm really upset that I didn't draw that string. Yeah. Well, I'm just smarter than you. <laughs> As you sit there with no socks on. <laughs> Um, you have sandals on. Don't get me started. <laughs> but at least I have leather on my feet. <laughs> We're clearly Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn right now. <laughs> the only thing that makes Tom Sawyer better than Huck Finn is that he has sandals on and a hat. And you you didn't point out the straw hat I'm wearing. <laughs> anyway, can you paint my apartment? <laughs> It's um, a lot of fun. There's all these names of sitcoms written on the wall. I need a new paint job. I'll trade you an apple for it. This was also a lunch counter. McGee, Far me, he, me, he, and Bobby McGee <laughs> pharmacy was also a lunch counter slash pharmacy place on Route 66 from the early 1900s, but it was dead okay. and gone. So they bought from this place a bunch of early 1900s era appliances oh, wow. and decorations. They got original bar stools, malt mixers, stained glass cabinets. They bought their entire marble countertop to use as the bar wow and people came from all around south pasadena to watch this thing get installed at the fair oaks pharmacy because what else are you going to do in yeah. south pasadena in the 90s yeah the radio only is on for like an hour a day yeah. so let's go watch them put a marble bar i can only on. i can only listen to so much offspring <laughs> so all the crucial stuff in there is actually early 1900s route 66 stuff so like the like i said the bar right. stool the bar itself the register like all that stuff is original yeah. things in 2005 it was bought by ed and 
Sara Shaniani, and I, it kept saying their last name. It's owned by the Shanianis, and I kept reading that, that it's now owned by Shanana. <laughs> it's really good that they got back together as a band and bought, and bought a, a pharmacy. A Route 66 roadside attraction. <laughs> the Shanianis took the community aspect of this place and the Route 66 attraction aspect of the place, and they perfected it. They now have a full-service restaurant, a gift shop full of old toys and mm-hmm. candies, a convenience store. They play 50s music all the time. There's still a fully functioning compounding pharmacy, which means that they make the drugs in the house. And because of that, they can make your medicine any flavor you want. Whoa. So you don't have to have a soda to take it, but you still should probably yeah. have a soda. Okay. But yeah, they can make it like, oh, you want your Advil to taste like grape. All right, fine. Wow. It's totally illegal. And they, can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they told me not to say this on the podcast, but uh, uh, you know, they're just being humble. But I took so much of their grape Advil. I just can't. I, no filter. No filter. They also do pet medication. And of course, the soda fountain is still armed and fully operational. Mm-hmm. The Shaniani sons, Ash and Brandon, worked there as kids and now have run the place since 2005. Their mom is still the pharmacist there. But they continue that community focus by giving jobs as soda jerks to local high school kids jerks cool. but the real reason i brought you all along this pharmacy history sinkhole is that this was all an elaborate ruse to tell you about the ice cream okay. at this Here place go. they've got banana splits they've got <sighs> banana royales hot fudge sundays regular sundays cookie sandwiches shakes malts floats phosphates rickies egg creams ice cream sodas freezes which you could have yeah they have a smoothie milkshake hybrid called fruise which sounds really good they have a of the fruise they have a blueberry pie flavor and i love lucy themed one and an elvis flavored one really tastes like the king uh, i was gonna make an i love lucy flavor joke about cigarettes and red yeah. hair but i'm tired it tastes like domestic dispute <laughs> their sundays are named after different streets in the area okay so there's like the Fair Oaks Sunday. That's the only street. Michael Myers House Sunday. Yeah, that's a street, right? <laughs> Michael Myers House Boulevard. <laughs> They're also not afraid to experiment with new recipes and they have a revolving holiday menu. Also, they go all out for the holidays. I was in there either last Christmas time or the Christmas time before that and there's like 30 trees in there really? and it's Christmas music. It's really nice. I like that. On their Halloween... Hollow- Do it again. Say it right. Halloween already got canceled so I'm forgetting what it is Halloween. Oh, jeez. The-, <laughs> the Halloween menu alone, they have a candy corn ice cream Sunday which sounds gross to me but I know people like that yeah a pumpkin pie sundae a poison apple phosphate Frankenstein's burger a boo burger and of course Dracula's Sunday delight oh yeah blood <laughs> hot blood <laughs> hot blood Sunday, <laughs> which I don't know why they don't call it that but any respectable ice cream parlor on Route 66 should be stripped of its big novelty Route 66 window decal if they didn't also have the kitchen sink you didn't know what this was when I kind of told you about it yeah a lot of places have this but here specifically eight scoops of your choice of ice cream with eight different toppings adding up to 12 pounds pounds of diabetic delight you can eat this casually if you want i do but you can also accept their kitchen sink challenge if you want i do it costs 50 dollars, and you can have one person help you to eat the entire thing plus either one glass of cold water or two mugs of warm water in 30 minutes and if you can do it you're given a free meal a shirt your name on the wall of fame and a year supply of diarrhea what? i really think i could do this yeah who do who would your go-to I be I, I would have melissa just have like one or two of the balls but yeah. really i think i could do it on my wow. own wow yeah you are a bottomless pit 
At certain points, yes. If you can catch me... Do you really think that you could do it? I really do. If you can catch me, like if I didn't eat breakfast, Uh if I had like a light breakfast and it's like four o'clock in the afternoon and my blood sugar levels have just dropped, I think I could do it. I think I could set a record even. Okay. I'm going to go so far as to say I could set a record. I'll eat the bowl. Can I eat the bowl? Can (laughs) I eat a waffle cone or something? Can I have a boo burger also with this? I think that Ellie Meekly should put you up to that challenge. If we could get a sponsor for this, because I will do it, but I will never pay $50 for it. But if we could get a sponsor, I don't know... uh, uh, the Reagan Library or something. JPL, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Arco. What are <you> doing? <laughs> Is Pan Am still in business? I do think I could do this. Though. Okay. F- I'm going to put you to that. I'll pay for it. Start raising the money. The Fair Oaks Pharmacy makes over 1,000 banana splits a year and goes through about 80 gallons of ice cream a week. And of course... It's all thrifty brand ice cream that they're using. They've been named the best old-fashioned ice cream parlor by Sunset Magazine and the best ice cream sundae by the LA Times. It's really a great place, and apparently it's now internationally known because people come from all over the world to stop there, and I really can't think of another ice cream parlor like this in the city. Yeah. Especially not one with early, authentic... 1900 stuff in it and if none of that tickled your fancy and made you want to go there then it's time to pull out the big guns it was used in the movie Ouija origin of evil really Ouija. I can't think of because uh, I know there was the DeSoto pharmacy but they're now closed yeah so I, I really don't know of another ice I feel cream like there's like another this. couple but I cannot put my finger on yeah. I know old-timey parlors like yeah. Fossilman yeah but it's, not like, but it's not like a pharmacy yeah. also I, I can't think of any other ones hey that's my other challenge think of another <laughs> think one of another Are brought to you by man? rainforest cafe that's my first one you on made me not only like it's weird because I don't eat ice cream they have stuff there I can have but I really love the Fair Oaks pharmacy but in my head it's always part of a walk like it's not i don't go just for that but like oh, if do. i'm on that walk that i take through fair oaks and down mission then i have to go inside yeah it's, it's hard not to yeah you yeah. should go well not this christmas time but because yeah. the people going into the pharmacy during this christmas time you do not want to be around but it was so nice like it was just it was you almost couldn't tell there were other people eating there because there were so many christmas trees inside of that place oh they have a forest in here yeah. that's cool <laughs> and then all of a sudden a 16 year old kid pops through <laughs> Did you say you wanted barbecue sauce or ranch? I can carry this to your car for you. A winter wonderland. <laughs> so what, what's your first one that you've got here for us? My first one was somewhere where I've known about it for a very long time. And I finally, I think last month, drove out to it. And I needed to see what it looked like. My next segment. My first segment. The next segment. <laughs> which is my first segment. This is all spontaneous. I'm just going off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll be covering the, the top te- of my head. The top of the my head. The top of my head. I'm going to be covering the Aztec Hotel in Monrovia. 311 West Foothill Boulevard. I've only seen pictures of this, and I know that Craig Owens, mm-hmm. he's like he's, obsessed with the haunting at that place. He is, yeah. He, I think he's, I don't know if he's hosted a thing there, but... I think I've seen pictures of him doing yeah, it. Yeah, but he's he's done photo shoots there, and it's beautiful yeah. inside. Let's just say up front, yes, the hotel in Monrovia that is decorated beautifully in pre-Columbian Mayan design is called the Aztec Hotel. Finally, someone points it out. And those two words are not interchangeable. <laughs> they were contemporaries, but like they lived thousands. It's one of those things that like people in a thousand years people might be saying hmm did richard nixon work with george washington <laughs> the gap of time just won't make sense yeah it doesn't make sense <laughs> to anybody but they were contemporaries yeah two civilizations. but very far apart but very, they were like i think over 800 miles apart like one is closer Wh- one's which in central might as Mexico. well be another planet exactly yeah <laughs> one is in central mexico the other one's in closer to guatemala in the yucatan valley the architect robert stacy judd knew full well the difference between the mayan and the aztec but felt the public in the 20s was more familiar with the aztecs <laughs> so he went with that instead why why would they be more familiar 
familiar with the I have the no Aztecs. idea, right? Like, they would, wouldn't, wouldn't both of them be known? They're like, okay, whatever. But remember, this is kitsch Southern California, and the more inaccurate and culture appropriating mm-hmm. it is, the longer we love it for. And the harder we love it. <laughs> the more offensive, the better. Welcome to Route 66. <laughs> Welcome to the Washington Redskins. For the history- Now the Washington football team. It's so funny. For the history of the Aztec, we start with its architect, Robert Stacy Judd, who was born in London in 1884. This guy's career has been called restless by people who write about him because it seems like every couple years he is changing employment and with each employment opportunity it's a different city or a different country he's always on the move con man he studied naval architecture at acton college and continued to study architecture at west cliff beach and then he attended the regent street polytechnic in london and served as an apprentice for five years as an architect for the great northern railroad after that he was a supervisor overseeing architectural staff at the grounds office of the franco british exposition in london and soon after he opened up his own office and then took another office in ventnor he's a con artist he's a con he has to be a con artist what are you running from yeah stacy judd what are you running from he was on the isle of white which is so funny where he operated a theater for like three years he was known in england for making theaters with like an egyptian theme like designing Mm -hmm. with egyptian theme so already he was already looking at old civilizations they knew knew the aztecs right they were like friends they all i mean everyone was building pyramids after that you want to talk about pyramids tune into channel 22 on your (laughs) walkie-talkie so hear about the smartest man alive (laughs) after that robert stacy judd comes to america in 1913 he travels around plenty but lands in minot north dakota and when he's there he's prolific for the next two years he becomes one of the most successful architects in that state and by the time he leaves in August of 1916, he had 27 building projects either completed or in the works. Anyways, he leaves North Dakota and begins work in Calgary, Alberta in 1920. He sets up practices and gets some work done, but nothing that really seems to satisfy him. So once again, he moves. 1922, Judd moves to Los Angeles where he seems to live the rest of his life. No more running for this guy. Mm, they now, never caught him. This is where all the cons come. <laughs> we already covered that episode. It's not known when he first read the two books uh, from John Lloyd Stevens. One of them is The Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, and the other one is Incidents of Travel in Yucatan, which had beautifully drawn images by Frederick Catherwood. They were like etchings. But at some point, Judd reads it, and it changes him. The travel book by Stevens details his exploration of Central America and the ruins of the Maya civilization, and Catherwood's painstaking etchings recreating the exotic intricacies of the designs found there in Chiapas and Yucatan really stirred something in Judd. Like, he was fascinated by these designs. It stirred something in him more than just architecture, but for now, just architecture. So it's 1924, and the city of Monrovia, the decides that it wants to build a hotel that can get the city some attention and get people to stop there. They decided a flashy hotel would do the trick. The Chamber of Commerce put together money by selling stock in the hotel. They put together $138,000 and the Monrovia Hotel Corporation commissioned Robert Stacey Judd to design it. He had earlier pitched them like a pre-Columbian cliff dwelling in the Gold Hills and they thought it was too much. But together, <laughs> the two parties compromised on a scaled-down version of his plans and put together $250,000 to pay for the hotel. So they paid him to do the what? year was this 1924 just a couple like that's a lot of money yeah that's con man money that could really bring out some bad habits in people when you're offered that much money (laughs) yeah we'll give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars a stranger who is who read a book about read a book and goes from town to town for this hotel that would eventually become part of route 66 robert stacy judd would go for it and incorporate designs and motifs he was influenced by from the mayan ruins he would create what many at the time called california's most unique hotel but why why mayan like was there you know how there was like the egyptian craze where the egyptian theater and that sort of thing was built was there like a mayan aztec craze going on yeah we'll get into it okay okay yeah Right now, actually, what what he would create spontaneous. Yeah, right spontaneous. Oh, well, now that you brought that up, we'll get to that. <laughs> so he wasn't. Uh, it was literally the next sentence. So 
Let me try to answer that question. He wasn't the <laughs> first one to shoot for what is now called the Mayan Revival architecture. Frank Lloyd Wright had already given us the Hollyhock House and the Ennis House. Oh, yeah, it is. But here's the thing about those two is that they were private residences mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Not by my not by my <laughs> standards. Not by my pick lock set. Not according to this bloody fist. <laughs> not according to my credit card, which keeps breaking in that door. Private Tell it to this brick. Those are private residences in Hollywood, and we weren't meant to see what the inside really looked like until uh-huh. years. Years later, yeah. when they would want to tour, when it. they would do open mics there, and they would. <laughs> it wasn't an open mic; it was a show. Yeah, it was a show. It was a full-on show. But this was not one. Like I was saying, it's not one of those. This is a hotel built on Route 66, built to stop cars on their yeah, way you're in. Meant and out to of come town. in here. Meant to come in and tour around. So, like all of it was meant to stop you, yeah. and that's really interesting. The exterior is what many people are obviously more familiar with, since there hasn't been access to the hotel for years the hotel itself the outside is like a pale green and the decorative elements of the building are like a clay red color the facade itself is painted stucco the ornamental elements run along the edges of the facade to accentuate the shape so like the roof line has some designs the corners of the building have and then the entrance like everything around the entrance is the the mayan design is it completely shut down right now they're remodeling they've been remodeling it for like 10 years but there's no access to it i mean you never hear of anyone staying yeah exactly in this hotel yeah there's like lots of intricate designs on the facade like steep projections square spots and my favorite sentence that Ada had to help me with abstract geometric design motifs oh, Greg stop, stop it stop it you're, oh I'm sweating and I saw it like we her and I went out there and we saw it and I thought it was <laughs> I see the geometric squares oh are these spreading. abstract geometric design motifs are these doors <laughs> what do you call something like this like the Mayans would have it's a doorknob no they wouldn't oh okay okay the Mayans have a bar and grill no they didn't oh okay okay did mines have a reception desk when you would get to maya <laughs> that they did have actually yeah. <laughs> who we're gonna be sacrificing today i don't know if they did, did sacrifices i know the aztecs did i've seen apocalypto no i haven't and i'm not part of it at a barbershop and i left the barbershop because they were playing it because they were supporting mel gibson and i can't tolerate that even though i just watched lethal weapon uh what a great la movie that is that we didn't even bring up in our first it la is. movie burbank list. the cat the cat's like i'm getting too old for this that's <laughs> does he say that in the first movie he says it about four times okay i'm getting too old for this nip that's what the cat says uh so her and i drove out there to monrovia to take a look at it and we knew it wasn't open but we want to see what it looked like i thought it was neat but I wasn't my like, credit card wanted to see what the inside of this doorknob <laughs> you, you gotta take me inside right <laughs> okay okay credit card okay debit card but i wasn't dazzled by it like i didn't look mm. at it and be like wow this is better than the ennis house like i was like this is neat it's a kitchen it's fun and it's different but where the true skill and magic of the design lie are the interiors of the Aztec. Right. So let's get there. Let's open up first. It officially opened up in September of 1925 and cost $250,000 to construct after a year of building it's it. It's right on time for Route 66. I know. It's like a year right before they yeah. were linked to it. A couple of websites called a modest budget. Okay. <laughs> the opening night had a dinner and a dance in the cafe for guests and then they were led on a public tour of the hotel. So just to give you an idea of the hotel, here's a description from a newspaper from 1926, a year after it opened. The Aztec Hotel consists of 36 rooms, all with bath, and contains a large dining hall with a coffee shop adjoining, which would later become the Mayan Bar and Grill, and later like the Blue Elephant. Each room in the hotel is decorated differently. No elephants in South America. <laughs> wonderful land, wonder, wonderfully wonderful. landscaped wonderful. ground, wonderfully landscaped grounds, including a charming patio and pleasing views. And the abstract uh, square doors. Squ- square squares. The abstract geometric 
design motifs. Ah, I did it without having <laughs> to look at the paper. It's what it's almost like I said it, it six times. It's almost like that thing where you have to repeat something ten times before you <laughs> learn it works. One of the more interesting things I read was that no two rooms are finished in the same style or color. The so furniture it's like, that uh, the Madonna Inn. Yeah, like the Madonna Inn. The furniture that was made by the Barker Brothers was done to fit the aesthetic of the, the building. Barker it's Brothers. Barker Brothers. They didn't do Monopoly. They did Monopoly. <laughs> Brothers. Do not pass bow. Oh no, the police are here. The furniture that was made by the Barker Brothers was done to fit the aesthetic of the building itself. So they drew from the design elements from the Aztecs to the Incas and the Toltecs. I'm not good at describing interior design elements and it was hard to find a good source that would describe the interior. So I think looking at it will do much better service than listening to what I have to say. The entry <laughs> Let's wall, all look at it right now. Stop this podcast and look at it. The entry walls to what I think are either hallways or doors are circular and they protrude out with pre-Columbian design. So like an entryway to... It's, I can't see if it's a hallway or a door to a room, but like on the wall over the space where a door could be, there's mm-hmm. just like a round archway you can I walk like in that. with all the designs and stuff. I like that. It's really neat looking, yeah. I like walking through round things. Me too. Yeah. You know what? You need to. I'm so glad someone, one of us finally said it. I've always wanted to walk through the automatic doors of the Death Star down the long hallways that open up at an angle like they're a triangular cut sandwich. Yeah, yeah. And then the ground, which has the orange lights with the black crate, like the steel, my entire life. If the new Disneyland and Rebel thing has that, I'll be so happy. And hey, let's build that for you. Sponsored by TSA Airlines. Sponsored, <laughs> Sponsored by, by the Barker Brothers. <laughs> Sponsored by Circuit City. <laughs> Parker Brothers. Um, it's the dogs of the Parker <laughs> Brothers that made their own board game company. The dogs that play poker because they're so rich because they designed <laughs> yeah, Monopoly. Those are actually the pets of the Parker <laughs> Brothers. No, not many people know that. Okay, so inside the Aztec, it's very dark inside because a lot of the like there's a lot of wood and very moody, and I like mm-hmm. that a lot. The lights are low. The dark, the wood is dark. The light fixtures are really beautiful. The columns and the wooden beams on the ceilings are great. There's a mural inside as well of what looks like the temples in Yucatan. The LA Times said the interior was seductively adorned with murals of Maya culture, including the sun god who must be regularly placated with blood of human sacrifice which is true and the god of lust and i asked ada is there a god of lust she's like yeah pretty much all of them i'm the god of lust <laughs> give me i mean me and avina come on when i was looking at the photos in the interior i've only seen one mural but uh, let's see this lust one i mean what's that one about where's that like a centerfold mural it's like a closet that you open boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's very old and moody inside i really like from standing at the door and looking in that's very nice i've only seen pictures. postcards and photos yeah yeah pictures of the outside and some pictures of the inside it's but very it's very neat up close but i really i'm dying to see what the inside looks like yeah i've got a brick in my car we can get anywhere with that i have a nifty <laughs> little way to get into any little building uh, some brick. people might call this the keys to the city i call it a brick i keep <laughs> i in call the it trunk a bag of bricks i carry around in my <laughs> trunk on first appearances the aztec would appear to be two stories but that's not true there's actually a third floor a basement and in the basement of a 1920s hotel you better believe there was a speakeasy down there mm. couldn't find out too much information mm. the rates of the aztec in the 20s were two dollars or more for a week and then you also get a, a bath it was it was phrased weird it was like you also get a bath i mean every room had a bath like but it was like two dollars up with bath or something like that and you're like what does that mean 30 cents for lunch a dollar for dinner. You know what I could get at the Fair Oaks for that price? They had a lot of people through those first couple of years stay there. They had like writers such as Lloyd Hampton who wrote articles for national magazines about Mayan architecture and its revival. They had composers like Charles Wakefield Cadman. And they had architects from LA like Arthur Kelly and C.A. Gunnamere, along with many other architecture students and peers who would come and study the hotel. All the names from the article from 
1926, and we never heard from them again, so they're probably dead and nobody's. Supposedly, this was a movie star hotspot at that time in the 20s, but I didn't find any evidence of that. In 1927, though, the president of the Philippine Senate, Manuel Quezon, and his family rested at the Aztec before they <laughs> continued to San Francisco. Check that out. That's something. Philippine Royalty. Senate. People are very wowed by this hotel and the design. They called it daring. They said no one had ever tried anything as bold in Southern California. They said it was the only structure of its kind in existence, combining every modern convenience in a setting of ancient splendor known only to the lost Mayan civilization. <laughs> the Aztec is well-loved. Plus bath. <laughs> Dollar dinner. The following year, 1926, that's when Foothill Boulevard is designated as US 66, Route 66. The Aztec sits right on it. But almost as soon as it opened, trouble started. Mm-mm. I read somewhere that the money trouble started the quickly. Mayan hotel started encroaching. The Spanish hotel encroached, and they're like, what's this about? And it was the we, end for we, the Aztecs. Yeah, we all these Spanish tourists, and suddenly it's Granada Hotel. I shouldn't have put Melanche as the receptionist. Is that the woman's name who betrayed them, Aztecs? Don't know this story at all. Let's call my girlfriend Oka. She'll know. Hang on. Let me, let me get ready to call my girlfriend. Geometric square. Squares. Shape. Geometric abstract motif designs. Nope. Got it all mixed up. But it, okay, so as soon as it opened, there was troubles. Judd had not been paid in full for his work. Con he's, man gets conned. Uh, no proof uh, that uh, he's a con. Never saw it coming. <laughs> no proof that he's a con man. Because he moved a lot. We're like, ooh, fishy. What's wrong with this guy? He I likes know. to see the world. Says the guy who's still living in his boyhood home. This guy moves a lot? Suspicious. <laughs> Lock him up. He moved more than eight miles away from his parents? <laughs> What's he hiding? Because even at eight miles, I'm hiding a lot. <laughs> so Judd sued the stockholders and some of the shareholders of the Aztec for his month's pay. Because like I think they paid him for a lot but there's like a month from august to september 1925 that I didn't pay him for and it covered i think like 1200 dollars of work and they they didn't want to pay him because of these reasons asserted negligence on the part of the architect all right <laughs> impractical architectural design you saw the plans you know it was coming. <laughs> and lack of proper supervision on my part or your part okay <laughs> i think at this point the hotel committee had declared bankruptcy and by 1927 mm. the deed of a hotel was for sale at a sheriff's sale for fifty thousand dollars by this time it was said the owners were listed as fidelity savings and loan association and they owned it for another decade but it remains open throughout this and still incredibly popular. By 1931, Route 66 was realigned and bypassed the Aztec Hotel, so travelers wouldn't spot it unless they already knew about it, which they might have since it was incredibly popular already. By 1937, a three-cornered real estate deal went forward for the Aztecs, so the new owners were expected to spend $40,000 in modernizing the building and making it operational. None of these factors seemed to slow down the public's love for the Aztec. Through the 40s, it became... This is when it kind of had a new heyday for Hollywood people coming through. Tom Mix, cowboy Hmm. actor Tom Mix, went there a lot. Clark Gable, on his way to Palm Springs would stop at the bar and Bing Crosby as well would stop at the bar there after spending some time at the Santa Anita racing tracks nearby in quotes not nearby it's far and the architect was also enjoying fame Robert Judd was an accomplished man by the time he built the Aztec but that really launched his career after this he was known for being like a genius and an eccentric okay they compared him to P.T. Barnum for his showmanship he would apparently go to cocktail parties in full pre-Columbian garb I th- they said Mayan garb I showed Aiden she's like as Aztec he was like in feathers that's abstract covered. Aztec in like designs and stuff like that sounds perfectly acceptable it sounds like he's ready for coachella he was a fixture at the hollywood crowd he'd like hang out with like hollywood people all the time and apparently he would like betty davis was incredibly curious about the mayans and he'd have to explain Hmm. to her like this is their civilization is in central mexico or central guatemala behold their civilization (laughs) and here is their coat check room by 1930 judd was in the yucatan jungles himself exploring and searching for new ruins of the mayan temples he went with uh, this group from tulane university and they had like hired 
guides who would help them through the jungles. And they discovered things. Apparently, they discovered something called the Temple of the Long Tongue, the Mask, which I asked Ada to look up for me, and she said it is. Let me see if I could find out. It's an abstract geometric square. Abstract geometric design motif. This is the guy. The designer, the architect. So he got that into. Yeah, after he designed that, he like would go to the Yucatan and wow. like look for ruins. He was also writing articles about his expeditions for the Allied Times, and they were like a fun read if you're into that. It's like, kind of like a little Indiana Jonesy, yeah. like using a machete to cut through the jungle to find old ancient relics. To find old ancient hotels. <laughs> in 1932, he got married at a church that he designed, the First Baptist Church on Laurel Street in Ventura. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful building. It looks very Art Deco. Anyways, let me read you the subheading of a news article about him getting married. Stacy Judd and Bride explore Mayan ruins in Yucatan with dirigible. What? Yeah. <laughs> that was, I guess, their honeymoon. This Pretty guy good is, wedding. He, he is Indiana Jones. Certainly <laughs> tried to be. Him and what's his name should have hooked up. Yeah. Fooderer. 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 Antoine Fooderer. Come on on our honeymoon, <laughs> you religious nut job. Yeah, bring all that junk with you. Yeah. He also designed the Masonic Temple in Tahunga. He did lots of like LA homes in like Tudor and Spanish style. La Jolla Beach and Yacht Club. La Jolla. It's where Conan lives. Every time I think of La Jolla. I used to, La, La Jolla was my Dr. Seuss reference before. Now it's like Conan abandoned us for La Jolla. I gotta get to La Jolla. I gotta go to La Jolla. I gotta go to La Jolla. I talk to you, but I gotta go to La Jolla. He designed the Philosophical Research Center in Los Feliz, which I've never seen, and the North Hollywood Maternity Hospital, which I've also never seen and I couldn't find pictures of. And interestingly, he designed the Atwater Bungalows in Elysian Park, which is like a Hopi-style bungalows or Adobe-style looking houses, on my walking path to Elysian Park that I would pass as a kid all the time. Later in life, Robert Stacey Judd helped design Spruce Goose, working with Howard Hughes really? on his cartoonishly large plane that couldn't get off the ground. He Helped design you mean the guy that. who made a Mayan themed hotel helped design a novelty? I thought you were trying to build airplane? a temple. Trying to build a plane? It's not going to get off the ground. A flying temple. He died in the age of 90 in 1975 while living in Canoga Park and left a Mayan revival style mark on the region. Hmm. Three years after his death, the Aztec Hotel was listed in the National Register of Historic Places, 1978. Really? Through the years, it remained open and continued for a while as a tourist spot. And then it became a little more run down and ugly as everything did in the 70s. <laughs> uh, the LA Times article by Cecilia Rasmussen, which we've, we've brought her up way too many times because she writes really great articles. She says that it went from being a hotel to a boarding house to a flop house to a hangout for hookers. Like that was the progression through that's, the eighties into the eighties. If you look at the like anamorph chart of a hotel, yeah, that's, that's what it looks like. It's just like a cigarette getting grosser with more more lipstick <laughs> on it. So by the nineteen eighties, Monrovia was changing though and reclaiming itself as a safe suburb. And when that changed, so did ownership of the Aztec. They re- remodeled it, and the bar and grill opened as the Brass Elephant in nineteen eighty three. I said Blue Elephant, but it's Brass Elephant. When Still Six- does it exist in South America? Brass yeah. or blue? When Route sixty six became cool and kitsch again in the nineties the Aztec had a resurgence. The California Historic Route 66 Association would hold meetings at the Aztec. It was handed over to a singer and a public relations representative for Cadillac dealer, Kathy Reese, in 2000. And she hoped to get the place running again, but at this point, it was hard to track the owners. It's like, after this point, 2000, it, it, it sounds like it, I don't know if I'm reading about managers at Switchlot or owners, because it, it was like foreclosed on. I think Reese owns it until 2011, and then it got foreclosed on. They tried to sell it as a novelty. Didn't really work. They tried to sell it on the ghost stories. That didn't work. Mm. Tried to sell it on Route 66 history nothing seems to have made it like a good selling point. Its current owner is Quinn Han Chan, who bought it in 2012 after it foreclosed. At this point, 2012, it closes for Chen to make renovations. He made significant repairs to this place, like a new roof, new doors, updated the parking to be more like handicap accessible. But according to the San Gabriel Valley Tribune, Chan is at war with the Historic Preservation Commission over the remodeling. Here's a line from that article. When the Historic Preservation Commission got wind of the period inappropriate doors in 2017, it gave Chen two years to remove and replace them. Hey, <laughs> This isn't old. Put an old door up. Who cares if it's easy for Daniel to break in? Don't put the Star Wars door in, even if Greg <laughs> likes walking through it. Mr. Chen now 
has to do repairs to a neon sign, which he did. Mm-hmm. Replace guest room windows in public view for the <laughs> Sorry. Second. And he has to replace like a collapsed parapet, like a low protective wall along the roof. The article was written last year, the repairs that he has to make f- for them to reopen. So it remains closed. According to Route66News.com, two conditional use permits approved by the City Planning Commission for the city indicate that Aztec will reopen as a lodging establishment with a restaurant. This after the Planning Commission on the 27th of May approved the permits for the hotel and the Mayan Bar and Grill restaurant. So maybe when the world settles down, maybe when we go all go back when this is maybe all over in these trying times when it's trying times when it's all over maybe the we can be together be th- again at the aztec hotel which <laughs> will be open for us to visit meet me at the aztec <laughs> that is weird that the w- different ways they're trying to market it aren't taking but i kind of feel like it should be marketed as all three like not just yeah. like it's a haunted hotel it's a this hotel yeah. it should be like this is a novelty haunted it's route hotel. 66 yeah. hotel but also it i can see it being a hard sell being in monrovia like yeah staying there san gabriel valley has a lot of really great Anita. stuff and it's a really beautiful area but if you come from out of town monrovia is far enough to yeah, make it you're not, not worth gonna, coming to like oh we're gonna go to there. venice today from monrovia just take route 66 take- i mean unless you're unless you're like family members visiting people who live in that area who don't want you staying in their house but you also want a whimsical vacation yeah i mean when we talked about for the fan writing episode we we're talking about like you pick an area and you stick to it if you pick san gabriel valley that's a, still a really good trip yeah you got but the Huntington does. gardens you got santa anita you got pasadena but nobody's gonna do that I'm, I'm, unless this is like your sixth trip to LA. yeah yeah that's true nobody's gonna do that but if you're listening and you want to come and you're like where do i stay hey san gabriel rally is fine and it's not too far no it's not i mean you're going out all day you yeah. might as well just you're gonna be passing like one of the most beautiful areas in la county <laughs> to get to la city and that's absolutely fine you can pass michael myers house you're not gonna pass michael myers house oh, you want to get an right ice cream sundae at the fair oaks Stop. pharmacy <laughs> you want to take a spin on the suicide bridge <laughs> okay so let's get to my next one this one is it doesn't ring route 66 but this is route 66 formosa cafe right a place that i thought was an italian restaurant formosa my life i hate you so much for that it, it doesn't make sense that it's not an Italian I mean it does I'll explain why but yeah. like I always assumed it was an Italian restaurant it's Asian cuisine right yeah I like how like two so far have been like well I don't know if they cultural appropriating it, no it is. Oh, it, it is it is but it like it comes full circle talk spontaneously about it let me just uh, off the top of my head let me <laughs> check my top of the head notes at the intersection of Santa Monica and Formosa which I think got its name from the restaurant because otherwise it's a huge coincidence given that the Republic of Formosa was the name for Taiwan when they were briefly independent in 1895 and this is a Chinese restaurant. So it's a weird thing of like... What came first? Yeah, because there's no way that they decided to open a Chinese-themed restaurant with a Chinese-themed name on a street that has that same name. Yeah. That's an obscure name for the type of food that they're making. They're like, maybe like they bought the property and they're like, oh, what do we do with it? I can tell you they didn't buy the property, (laughs) but I really don't know. I was trying to look up like when did Formosa Street get its name? And it's all just like Charlie Chaplin lived here. (laughs) It is a shortcut to Malrose Boulevard. It was at the address. Avenue. Malrose Avenue, sorry. It's you almost look like a fool. Your navigational Idiot. prowess has been challenged. At the address of 7156 Santa Monica Boulevard, which was Route 66, there has been a restaurant in some form here since 1915. What that first restaurant might have been, we don't know, but by the 20s, it was a place called the Red Post Cafe, which it was not called Red Post Avenue that it was on. So it seems to have opened in 1928, the Red Post Cafe, but I'm not sure who owned it because there's sort of the story that's become the official canon of the 
Formosa Cafe. And then there's the actual facts that people have uncovered. Mm -hmm. One part of the story that is for sure, though, is that in 1939, the restaurant was bought by a game named Maximilian Goldstein, a.k.a. Max Goldie. Ooh, I like that. Maxie Goldie? Max Gold. Max Gold. Who seems to have had some ties to organized crime that, as you'll soon hear, did not end well. Goldie rebuilt the place instead of just some greasy spoon that people from the studio next door would go to. It's right next to what used to be. It was Pickford, Fairbanks Studio, then United Artists Studio, right. then Sam Goldwyn. Then Oh, that's right. It's right next to it. It's right next to it. And then yeah. it was an extension of Warner Brothers, and now it's just called The Lot. He wanted to make... That's asking a lot go ahead for mosa <laughs> he wanted to now make it into a full service restaurant and cocktail lounge this maxi max gold maxi gold max gold the problem was this place was known for being tiny so he had to make some more space to accommodate his big cocktail dreams so instead of building a new section to the restaurant on land that wasn't his own mind you it was owned by the studio this land that it was on oh okay i didn't um, know that so he instead saw an old pacific electric red car that had been decommissioned in 1936 and decided to just slap that onto the side of the building and boom suddenly you have a room for a bunch of more tables in there so it's another one of those restaurants that's also a train car cool it's one of well i guess one of the pacific dining cars closed so what there's four now and counting the carnies carnies yeah i guess there's <laughs> two four. carnies pacific dining car and formosa cafe i mean you can i mean travel time you can take a you can take an apple on if they don't know <laughs> they let me take my lunch right in the train, <laughs> right in the train. gosh shucks <laughs> you're hook fin. uh the trolley they have there is car 913 which means that it was in the this is why I think you'll like this story because it's all about restoring old train cars <laughs> which means that it was in the first series of red cars which means it was made sometime between 1902 and 1906 wow so it's old, old it's an old car so this was the new setup and the place was now called the Formosa Nightclub however like I said Goldie was involved with organized crime so in 1945 he lost the restaurant in a poker game oh and then not long after that he was found shot to death in the back inside of a phone booth on Santa Monica Boulevard wow so that's the end of Max Goldie. <laughs> I want to know more about him. I, I, phone booth. I want to know more about that phone booth. Yeah. Is he some sort of a Superman character? <laughs> so now here's where things get even more vague. The official story is that the restaurant was then bought by a boxer from New York named Jimmy Bernstein who got hurt and had to quit boxing and ended up moving to LA. He was friends with Charlie Chaplin and Douglas Fairbanks and he decided to start making money by opening up a restaurant. But further historical digging found that it was actually bought by some guys named Bobby Goodman and Stan Marcus who let some bookie also named Jimmy Bernstein buy into the restaurant with them thinking he was the Jimmy Bernstein the boxer oh my god and then this guy shows up and they're just like well fine you have the money We could just save Jimmy Bernstein yeah. part owns this place. Jimmy Bernstein, but he can't come out and say and talk to you yeah. guys. Pay no attention to the guy behind the trolley car from 1902. <laughs> so whoever the real Bernstein was, it's 1945 and the Formosa nightclub is now known as the Formosa Cafe and it gets a complete remodel. Now it is to be refocused with a Cantonese theme, serving Chinese food and having Chinese inspired decorations with again another very dark place dark reds lots of wooden patterns and dim lighting ads for the rebranding promise cantonese dishes for the gourmet american dishes for the particular oh for you who can't stomach noodles yeah canton eat that Um, you almost had it 
for most of the time <laughs> I had it, but it was a lot. Uh, it took a full three years before this group of decidedly white guys running a Chinese restaurant to bring in an actual Chinese chef named Lem Kwan. It must have took a lot of brain. They must put their think tank together for that one. We should what get an actual mm. Asian person in here. Our Chinese food tastes like garbage <laughs> because we make it. Three Jewish guys. Uh, how can what we... <laughs> What's the missing ingredient? Mm. Kwan was born January 15th, 1910 to Ton Kwan and Wu Shi in Hong Kong mm-hmm. when he was very young his parents and his older brother moved to LA to make a living and when he was 12 they finally had enough money to send for him so he took a 36 day boat ride on a cargo ship to San Francisco with his dad's 70 year old friend did it sink and they had to rebuild it why did it take so long I'm surprised it took that short <laughs> in, in 1922 or whatever to um, sail from Hong Kong to San Francisco I'm reading that Mark Twain book and he's like oh god I got to England right now and two months later he got there <laughs> you made it here in record time <laughs> He eventually made his way to rejoin his family in LA and worked for his dad in a Chinese restaurant called Too Too, Too Far Low. Okay. Now that I'm saying it out loud, that sounds like it's wordplay. Too far low? I don't know. I'm sure something racist just came out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're going to get canceled. Um, then the World War the Second one hit, and Quan joined the army to fight for his new country. He obviously had an inclination towards cooking, so he was made a chef. And after the war, he started cooking in at Shanghai Jin in LA. But once they lost their lease there, he found his way to the Formosa, where he became the head chef and eventually part owner and brought actual Cantonese experience to the place, finally. But what the Formosa Cafe was really known for was being one of the places in town where celebrities came to you're bragging about the senator from the philippines well guess what i've got ava gardner coming up ava gardner ava gardner from the philippines (laughs) that time-honored tradition of people from the studio next door coming over to eat at the end of the day continued but now that the place had a little more class and heft it didn't just draw in the gaffers and the best boys now it was the stars and the best boys this was one of those places like the brown derby where just everybody somehow everybody at the same time yeah they didn't film a scene in lucy there so we don't know about it yeah yeah no everybody must have been there you got your gable your bogart sinatra lana turner dean martin ronald reagan the actor james dean the actor the the car crash victim yeah marilyn monroe the legend marlon brando the legend jack benny patron saint of touching your own face i was waiting for you to say that it's pointless to name celebrities that ate there because they all ate there but i just did anyway are you gonna bring up the scene in uh alley confidential no but they keep talking about that that's funny what was it lana turner lana turner yeah yeah. ava gardner would sometimes dance around the tables when she was there really uh one time they had to throw out lee marvin because he was too drunk surprise god the surprising part of that story is that one time that <laughs> happened john wayne passed out drunk in one of the booths one night so they cool. just locked him in and they yeah. found him making eggs the next day which is a story literally every single article i read about this place mentioned they cannot wait to tell yeah. you about how john wayne made scrambled eggs that one. was like the headline do you and want them scrambled i can't do a john wayne you want them scrambled partner elvis once gave a waitress a cadillac as a tip there okay there's now a display above the booth he and the colonel always used to sit at there's a display of elvis paraphernalia that was given to kwan who became the owner of the place in 1976 when bernstein died mm-hmm. it was given to him by the colonel himself wow. so it's like a little shrine for elvis at the table where elvis would always That's sit crazy. which is cool on the other side of that clark gable apparently lived by the motto frankly my dear i don't give a tip this is my favorite i love this story one time he had a bill for 22 dollars, so he gave the waitress 25 dollars, and she said thanks and took it and then you know went did her job passed by his table later saw he was still sitting there and he said where's my change oh my god 
The, that guy who sexually assaulted many women and got away with it? He didn't leave a tip? Arguably the richest man, like mm-hmm. the George Clooney of yeah. the time. Where's my three dollars? Three dollars. But sir, I have a child to feed. <laughs> yeah, well, I gotta harass people. One time, Howard Hughes owed his friend $20, but the billionaire had to borrow it from Quan because he reached into his wallet, but it was just filled with his own pee. <laughs> After those glory days of the 40s and 50s, the place became a hot spot for the rock and roll crowd in the 60s and 70s. More recent names like Brad Pitt comes in often dressed mm-hmm. like he's homeless so people won't notice him. Mm-hmm. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp met here to figure out how to make Ed Wood. Oh, wow. There's black and white headshots of celebrities everywhere in there. One of those um, places, yeah, like, a, like a laundromat? It's, it's a lot like a laundromat, except these people actually were here <laughs> most of them are signed all the booths are named after an old hollywood regular and there's a lot of drinks named after them too but their most famous drink is still their mai tai they're oh. famous for the mai tais oh, wow, okay it was such a hot spot that there was a legend that the restaurant was actually connected to the studio by a underground tunnel mm-hmm. but there's no proof people love stories of underground tunnels they do they really like dumb do. waiters that lead to like a war room where clark gable and uh, clark gable is harassing people's daughters yeah. and they were all friends with kwan like everybody okay. everybody knew kwan and he became something of a celebrity within the world of these celebrities he had his own booth that he was always working out of there used to be ava gardner's booth but he made sure the restaurant wasn't just for celebrities he mm-hmm. said here at the formosa we always make small people feel like big stars we are all the same he still calls them small people though. <laughs> the other element that had a notorious reputation here was the people People from another culture of big names, that underworld of organized crime oh, right. that we were talking about. This place had a big gangster affiliation for a while, mostly because of the big two who were regulars here. Mickey Cohen and Bugsy Siegel would mm-hmm. eat here all the time. They would conduct their business from a private back room in the red car portion, which after them became a VIP celebrity section with a bank of phones that the studios could reach their stars in through these phones. That's so funny. Siegel had a safe installed in the floor in there that he would have people put the money they owed him into which he could then come back later to empty so that there was legally never any hand-to-hand exchange of cash in the year 2000 it had been closed since 1947 so they decided to make a big spectacle of it opening it on live tv by the son of the guy who had installed it in the first place and thousands of people watched live as it was cracked open and nothing was in there Geraldo Rivera opened it. They kept comparing it to that. Yeah. It's now still there. It's under. It's a little glass display that you it's can see cool. if you sit at that booth. But the Formosa was a place where actors and criminals knew they could go to relax and be discreet without being bothered by cops or paparazzi right. at all. Unless you're Lana Turner. Yeah. It's so cool to go there. Like you're Rod Serling and you go there and like, like all the Quiet Zone fans are outside but then Mickey Coe's like, shut up! And they all go, <laughs> leave that dork alone! <laughs> the restaurant had newer areas added onto it over the years but in 1991 when the inevitable almost happened when Warner Brothers, who still owned the land and the building itself, started planning to tear it down to put up a parking lot. But people flipped out and they got the one-two star power punch of John Cusack and Christopher Lloyd to help with the cause. John Cusack, I still want to be in Back to the Future. I don't know if he was, but I feel like John Cusack would have killed to have been in Back to the Future. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. He would have um, loved that paycheck. They were helping the cause to get it made a landmark, which it didn't get, but it was eventually given historical status by the city of West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. But either way, those Warner Brothers backed off and the place was saved for then. Quan died in December 1993 and ownership passed to his grandson Vince Young, but this is the sort of place that doesn't last in modern Los Angeles, and in 2015 it was sold and closed for a complete remodeling that destroyed everything that was good about it. It made it into a sleek, well-lit, modern place that was all gray, did not look anything like the Formosa Cafe, and everybody hated it. So they closed it a year later, and things were not looking good, but then the saviors came in. It was snatched up in June 2017 by the 
1933 group who were already well respected for what they did to the Highland Park Bowl and the Idle Hour and the Bigfoot Lodge and were now going to pour all their efforts into bringing back the Formosa Cafe and it worked. They painstakingly worked to restore every original thing they could and if not they got the next closest thing that they could. They researched old menus and pictures. They made replicas of what they saw or modern twists on them but a lot of stuff is original because Quan had saved a lot of the old artifacts in his day and Young gave them access to all of these things. Other stuff is taken from the old storage in the Warner Brothers scenic department. Really? So it all has a tie to to this past. Yeah. yeah. The deep red booths and the wallpaper and the dramatic lighting, it's all back. The floor of the main bar uses the same type of tile as the Walk of Fame. Oh, wow. The back room was set up for special parties complete with a rotary phone you can pick up to order drinks (laughs) that come to you through a private window. You still might get some calls from Mickey Cohen. The 1933 group named after the year Prohibition ended and because they focused mostly on bars, teamed up with the LA Conservancy to win a $150,000 grant from the National Trust for Public Historic Preservation to revamp the old red car as well, which is now the oldest surviving red car and the last 800 series car in the entire world. Wow, really? I think they tried, they wanted to study another one or something that was in some museum, but it had like just caught on fire and burned down. So this is the only one left. An important part of the restoration also was connecting the place to its Chinese roots that were fake at first, but became real later. The menu is now done by David Kuo, who runs Little Fatty, which is a Taiwanese Formosa place, but now there's a special room in there that's dedicated to the Chinese American history of Hollywood with a curated display of artifacts from that time. The literal bar in that room is also originally from the popular Yi Mi Lu bar in Chinatown, which closed in 1989, which in itself was actually a prop used in the 1937 movie of The Good Earth, which Mm -hmm. in itself was actually something that they brought over from China. So it's a pretty accurate, like appropriating, but like becoming authentic. This all cost 2.4 million and reopened on June 28th, 2019. And I remember hearing that on the opening night, Jack Nicholson was sitting at the door greeting everybody who came in, which I'll always regret. Like, I don't even know if you could just walk in, but I heard that Jack Nicholson was like sitting on a stool by the door greeting you as you came in. So weird. This is one of those last few old LA restaurants left in town. And it's the kind of place where the bartender and the waitstaff have worked there for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it should definitely be the next place on our old restaurant list. And I will be expecting my $3 change in the Clark Dable sexual harassment booth the gable table i don't know why i always thought it was an italian restaurant because i can't picture all of these old like i can't picture ava gardner having chinese food yeah from the outside it looks like an italian restaurant like it's even red and green and and like it has the it might as well have like a meatball on the front of it i didn't know what the inside have you ever been there no i haven't it looks really nice it does yeah i've seen pictures of it They, they once they reopened it recently a lot of like the people i follow would go there and like oh that's that's a cool spot where all the cool people are going oh geez that's the next song that let's do it yeah let's go there right now no masks no masks i dare you i dare you the next place i'm going to be talking about one of the most beautiful places in south pasadena one of my favorite places when i'm driving anyone around like look i checked this way i'm going to be talking about the rialto theater in south Mm -hmm. pasadena 1019 and 1023 fair oaks avenue the same year the aztec opened up 11 miles away another route 66 monument opened its doors the rialto theater opened up in 1925 and the first movie shown there was what happened to jones starring actor 
Reginald Denny. <laughs> the Rialto is a cousin two episodes to... episodes in a row for him. Yeah, I know. Different guy, same name. The Rialto is a cousin to two other important LA theaters, the Vista and the Alex in Glendale, both of which were opened within the same couple years of the Rialto. The Rialto was one of the many single-screen theaters opened by C.L. Langley, president of the West Coast Langley Theater Circuit. The same theater chain opened up the Alex, named after C.L.'s son, Alexander. Their theaters would share silent movies, plays, and vaudeville shows. West Coast Langley later became Fox West Coast Theater, which is one of the biggest movie chains in Southern California for the yeah, next, like next the couple of decades. the one in San Pedro? Yeah. The architect behind the Rialto was Louis A. Smith, who did many theaters for the West Coast chain. He designed the Vista Theater two years earlier. After the Rialto, he designed two more theaters in LA that were both eventually demolished. The Ritz Theater on Miracle Mile and the Beverly Theater on, in Beverly Hills. So the Rialto was commissioned by Langley, designed by Smith, and built by a man named William G. Reed in 1925. It cost $350,000 to erect. The Rialto stands as one of the best preserved theater of that original era. The Rialto opened in October, like I said, 1925, and as gala opening, along with playing the Reginald Denny movie, they also had the world's premiere showing of a 1926 photoplay feature and five snappy vaudeville acts. You keep really hitting the, uh, vaudeville. 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 My big three sources on this are an LA Times article by Frank Xiong, the Friends of the Rialto website, which had a wonderful timeline that I used, and the nomination form for the National Register of the Historic Places, which if every building had this form online, it would save so much time, because they're just like, here's everything that's historic about that here's yeah. what the, the building looked like it, it like <laughs> saved the day so the Rialto is a two-story theater made of concrete brick and steel its face is covered in painted stucco with a terracotta roof the Rialto's sign on the exterior that runs vertically is said to be the original the style is Spanish Moorish and above the marquee there's some like paired arched windows which lend itself to like a Moorish art deco look on each side of the central bay is a storefront when it first opened up it was meant to have like accompanying stores on the storefronts mm. one of those eventually became the Rialto Sweeteria, which is a candy hello. shop. Hello. Hello. Hello, there's... Um, no, I didn't find out breaker, too much breaker. about hey, that. I also didn't find any pictures. There's just like word of the 20s that there was a candy shop mm. right attached to it, pretty much. If you want to go a little further down the street, you can get a great candy shop at the Raymond's Fair Oaks Gaskell's. What's Everybody? that, like a block or two away? Then I, I can't. I simply can't do it. The Rialto rates were 30 cents for a general admission. Loge's seats were 40 cents, and children under 12 cents... <laughs> children under 12 only pay a dime. 12-bit kids can get and free. What are you, a dime kid? Five cents. <laughs> the original marquee was a two-line reader board, but it was replaced in the 30s by a three-line, three-faced neon art deco marquee because mm-hmm. the movies in the 30s had more words than the titles, just like the <laughs> movies themselves. Called, <laughs> they weren't just called Faust. They were all called Faust. Nosferatu? Faust? The Gollum? What are we watching tonight? <laughs> the theater was built to accommodate 1,300 attendees. 1,300? Yeah, it's a big theater with room on the... Hang on, there's robot boxing going yeah. on in my alley. Chappie's over here. Chappie's not a Chappie's a cop I told you It can fit 1300 people There's like a ground floor And then there's like this, The balcony right. The balcony is like massive So it is It's it's similar to the Alex Theater then they Yeah have a balcony, Yeah it's very right? similar They're cousins Kissing cousins The interior has remained Largely intact And more of a Smith's Like Moorish design elements Are used inside than outside As the LA Times puts it The interior is An irreverent mashup Of Spanish Baroque architecture And Egyptian oh, kitsch f- That's so funny That uh, to throw the word Irreverent Followed by some of the least interesting words I've ever heard. It's Ar- a wacky mashup yeah. of whatever Ada Spanish kept telling you to say. architecture <laughs> and Egyptian kitsch. Abstract geometric design motifs. I'm getting better at it each time I say it. There's paintings all over the interior. Advertising works. Paintings all over the interior, but a daily news article listed some of the things they saw in the paintings. On the lintel, there are some abstract patterns of leaves with a gargoyle mask with mm-hmm. lighted eyes. A naked female torso with wings mm-hmm. frames the organ chamber. Mm-hmm. An Egyptian it sure sp- does feel my organ chamber. 
And there's Egyptian-inspired winged sphinxes. All of these words are hard to say. I mean, talk about irreverent. (laughs) (laughs) None of these have anything to do with each other. There's also a a wolf howling at the moon. There's Little Red Riding Hood, but she's coming out of a McDonald's. Inside, there are rows of, like, crown molding that surround the first level of seeing as well. Described as beautifully. I'm like, I don't know how beautiful molding is. <laughs> There's Moroccan-influenced ceiling fixtures and a chandelier. Those are beautiful. Mm. There's also the gilded niches, which is like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little hanging decoration that protrudes out of the wall. Like, like you, a sconce or something? Yeah, like like, exactly, yeah. Sounds irreverent. <laughs> Sounds wacky. Uh, That's rather irreverent. <laughs> the decorative art on the walls and ceilings are still there. The original red and gold house curtains are still there mm. from the Ooh, 1925. red and gold. That's nice. That is nice, right? Also, also because vaud- vaudeville was performed there the stage is big like 30 feet deep uh, and there's also dressing rooms and uh, an orchestra pit uh, which is like my kind of theater which yeah. has dressing rooms how many comedy places have we done where there's a green room I'm like oh green room I'm yeah, a, I'm, it it's real like, now it i haven't been paid for this but i mean it's i'm a real performer it, now. it's a designated place to freak out yeah we were at the pack and there was like the green room behind but then we we're still in that grimy ass rat alley. yeah because there because some other people uh, first oh, off i were, kept playing with the whip and you oh you me did to stop yeah using the whip yeah i was begging you to stop using the whip because i knew you're gonna hurt me or somebody else right before we went i had to go on stage <laughs> as i lassoed you yeah by the ankles we're gonna walk out and i was like bleeding in the face when the theater first opened it would run movies all week but with vaudeville shows on thursdays and sundays in addition to the movie the rialto stage was also the tryout area for new vaudeville talent for fashion and marco who i guess were like famous at the time or if they're not famous they're at least working consistently a lot of people are like Fanco and marco the irreverent Fanchon, duo. by 1921 a couple years before they opened uh, the rialto they were part of the sunkissed national tour with the sunkissed beauties uh, that's a title another episode i told you i watched san fernando valley which was a roy rogers movie mm-hmm. and first of all never a- in the san fernando valley yeah never a- not filmed in the san fernando valley. really but they keep talking about Oh, to go back to the San Fernando Valley. And the last 10 minutes is an extended dance sequence by Sunkist of just like dancing oranges and people saying how great the San Fernando Valley what a, is. What were movies back then? <laughs> they were long commercials, were commercials. advertising works. <laughs> and you would watch it over and over and over because <laughs> it could fit on the marquee. Uh, Sunkist beauties. I feel like bananas today by the end of the 20s vaudeville was replaced by twice weekly live play matinees but then vaudeville shows made a return in the 30s vaudeville would make a return in the 30s but you won't believe who the rialto got to be the conductor the musical conductor of all the live performances in the 30s live musical chopin af frankenstein from the orpheum they stole him from the orpheum i was thinking of frankenstein but i was like it's too easy they got af frankenstein from the orpheum and he was now working at the rialto they didn't so much get him as he was chased out of the orpheum (laughs) (laughs) and he was allowed to work in the rialto they set the the orpheum on fire like you looking for a new place the rialto had its own mighty Wurlitzer, an opus 1142 which was there at the rialto before they opened like a month before they opened and it was played during their opening night it was later removed during a fire and it was sold and parts of it were scattered across the state the council itself ended up in the south pasadena preservation foundation like dismantling a vampire god (laughs) burn the foot pedal it was donated later to the friends of the rialto in 2016 mark herman with the los angeles organ company graciously stored the council for them in may of 2020 which was this year so the Wurlitzer is looking like it's going to start coming back into play in 1929 the building closed down for two weeks to install state-of-the-art speakers to handle the new film phenomenon talkies so they spent fifteen thousand dollars getting a vidaphone which is the disc part of that and then the move phone which is optical film sound synchronization we're ready for talkies bring that shirley temple on bring the move phone <laughs> yay just in time to hear hitler speeches on the big screen shown in the <laughs> we'll real- hear this guy out uh, charlie chaplin's not really handling comedy well anymore what's the, what's the punchline 
The first talkie shown at the Rialto was a movie called The Dummy. In the 1930s, there was a fire backstage. So of course, Frankenstein ran. <laughs> Not true, but there was a fire at the Rialto backstage. So they closed it for a few months to deal with that. When they reopened, vaudeville and live plays closed and they never came back. Mm. Fire purifies all. Around this time, the Rialto had a weird thing going on. So apparently, each year when the Academy Awards were announced for the best picture of the year, it was the movie that was already playing at the Rialto. Wait, say that again? Wait. So when the Academy Awards were announced for Best Picture of the Year, whatever the winner was, was the movie that was playing at the Rialto. By coincidence? By coincidence. No, they planned it. They paid the Academy to have it win so they can get movies. Yeah, by coincidence. <laughs> uh, look, you say that it might have been a some sort of elaborate scam. I would not be surprised at all. For how many years was that? I think like they said four to five years through huh. the 30s. Come 1930 and the theater is bought by a man known as the Banana King because of his success in the fruit distribution business. This is Dominique Jabia, an Italian immigrant who amassed a fortune with bananas. He is known in local histories a ritzy... George of the Jungle. <laughs> so he bought, in San Fernando Valley, I think, he bought a ritzy the movie? Uh, country club called Midwick. Some say, the rumor is, he bought it out of spite because the club members rejected his application for membership. And after a fire, the property was turned into single-family homes. Every country club must hate single-family homes. Um, <laughs> the Banana King maybe bought a country club because they hey, wouldn't let him in. He says, when like, you're the Banana King, what you say, banana goes. Do I'm like, isn't that the banana. name of the guy from The True Detective? But it's not. <laughs> the Banana King in the Pink Palace. So anyways, this is the new owner. As it goes, we all know what the 30s means. The Great Depression. Everything slows down to a crawl. And by 1932, butts and seats dropped by 50% across the country. Theaters were closing in mass the theater survives through it though how are bananas doing that's all you can eat harry belafonte wouldn't stop singing about them what roy rogers was to oranges harry belafonte was <laughs> to bananas another fire hits the theater in 1971 and closes for a year 1975 the community redevelopment agency wants to rebuild downtown south pasadena area they want to put up like a business block right like a mini mall kind of thing mm -hmm. so they want to tear down the rialto to make way for 45 parking spaces <laughs> knock down a beautiful historic theater for parking spaces, is this city spaces. doesn't this, this city doesn't deserve history. We covered four things, and two of them were almost turned almost into parking, parking spaces. It doesn't go through, obviously. Probably, that could have the city could have had ninety more parking spaces if we only that didn't have the Formosa Cafe. Yeah. yeah. If we knock down Griffith Observatory, we can park all those buses that take people to the Griffith <laughs> Observatory. Absorbatory. Absorbatory. The parking lot thing doesn't happen. A couple years later, it was leased by Kim Jorgensen, owner of the Parallax Theater System, which eventually becomes Landmark Theaters, which is the art movie house chain. Mm -hmm. In 1978, the city council approves city landmark status and Rialto joins the National Register of Historic Places. Wow. Same year as the Aztec too. Yeah. Two years. Two of mine, yeah. People are still trying to knock it down through that and the fight to preserve it really begins in the late 70s just as they start showing Rocky Horror Picture Show. The Friends of the Rialto form as a committee in 1983 and they're really putting up a good fight. Around this time, the balcony closed, I think for good, and landmark theaters bailed out of the Rialto because of the popularity of videotapes. It struggles through the last few decades and the last current running movie play there was the Simpsons movie in 2017. Although I distinctly remember watching Rob Zombie's Halloween there, and it came out a month after the Simpsons movie. <laughs> but maybe I'm remembering things. Did it wrong. win an Oscar that year, though? Rob Zombie's Halloween won the Oscar, narrowly beating out the Simpsons movie. Yeah. For the last showing for the Simpsons movie, it was said that only 200 people showed up, leaving about 800 empty seats. In the sad theaters, for the theater and for the Simpsons, and the Simpsons movie. In the theater, 
his last days, the Friends of the Rialto worked on trying to restore its decor. Volunteers restored murals, cleaned curtains, replaced light bulbs, and even held some events there. But despite this, the Rialto was run down and only loved by a few. Attendance through the years dwindled. In 2010, a chunk of the building fell onto the sidewalk, so they closed the building. They completely shuttered it for repairs. In June of 2014, the Jabia Family Trust began to accept bids for the property, and they received multiple offers for it, but the, because the Family Trust didn't set preconditions for the bid or sale, the new owner could really turn it into, and you can turn it into 46 parking lots if you <laughs> parking space if you wanted to. The historic designation requires Inflation. owners... What? Inflation. <laughs> yeah, we, we get one more parking space. Historic designation requires owners to keep historic properties in good condition and offers them some eligibility for grants and tax credits, but historical status doesn't restrict what type of business operates on that property, which is weird. It was bought by Isaac Shamoff, but he seems to have a good relationship with the Friends of Rialto. They gave him a tour and he allowed them to hold two years worth of fundraisers there. Since then, they've been really, the Friends of Rialto really been fighting to keep the theater alive. They keep having like live performances, variety shows, Broadway musicals, a classic movie screening with live musical accompaniment. Restoration is still needed and the fundraising didn't really get enough money for the Friends to have a chance at like getting a lease or even significant repairs. In 2017, Shamoff signed a lease with the Mosaic Church Group to use the Rialto hmm. space. The Friends That's of a Re- really cool church. <laughs> Churches and their endless amounts heard, of money. Have you heard the news? <laughs> he has risen. Because there's a mosaic in Hollywood and mm. I one time was there like on a Friday. I wasn't there, but I was yeah. driving by on like a Friday night and it was, like, it was as if it was like a mile down the street at one of the bars. There were so many young, cool people trying to get into this church. It was so weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Nobody likes church. Not even church. Not even God <laughs> likes church. He doesn't show he, up. Yeah. Where's he? The Friends of the Rialto were working with the Mosaic Church Group on restoring the building and trying to get the, them to let the Friends use that for like different outside events. According to the timeline on the Friends of the Rialto site in 2018, they showed about five movies through the year, all classic movies. Back to the Future, Nacho Libre, mm-hmm. La La Land, Ghostbusters and Elf. In 2019, they showed The Notebook and Miracle on 34th Street. As of this year, if you want to call it a year, Shamoff says that he is handling the exterior renovation and the Mosaic Church Group is responsible for the interior and other improvements. No word on what we could expect from this point, but the Rialto is still standing, which is, at this point, is something. It's a beautiful building, inside and out. Plenty of movies were filmed there. Kentucky Fried Movie. Really? Fill Around Sketch, where they have a 4D experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Rialto. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Rocketeer, Radio Flyer, which also has sort of I would assume has sort of a feel around moment and some of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies have yeah. a feel around moment The Player The Thing Called Love I thought it was called This Thing Called Love but I the, thought it was A Thing Called Love Scream 2 was filmed there The Majestic and most importantly not because I love it but because La La Land was filmed there okay. where they watched the movie together oh. the way that 500 Days of Summer had a bunch of people mm-hmm. fetishizing Los Angeles La La Land had the same thing and so because of La La Land the Rialto became a tourist destination as did many mm. other landmark places thank in you LA. La La Land the exterior was used in Thriller the music video I like thought it was of, a thriller South Pasadena is a great place to walk around I, I mean you can hit the Rialto the Fair Oaks Market and Michael Myers house in one walk <laughs> it's so beautiful and <laughs> old and if you give yourself enough time you can see Gus's go to Gus's barbecue I, I think, the best I, food I, ever had. I think your sponsor by Michael Myers' house and Gus's barbecue. I don't know where you, you these back alley deals you're making without me. Different crowds. The Rialto could have been 45 parking spaces and a ghost in old photos, but because people fought hard to preserve it, a piece of our history, we still get it. If you love the city and its history, you have to do those things. There are so many places in danger of becoming another Trader Joe's or 45 parking spaces, and we're responsible as LA people, as LA history people, to try to fight for them and try to save them from big corporations who don't give a care about them. So let's save the Old Town Music Hall. Let's mm. save Bob Baker 
Secret Marionette Theater. Let's save Rockhaven. Also, let's let's fight for more police accountability and redistribution of funds. Peace in the Middle East. Let's save the post office. Free Tibet. Let's do it. We can do it. I wonder if all these places that are like, we're going to turn into a parking lot. How about a compromise? Like if it's the Rialto Theater and they need to turn it into a parking lot, how about an indoor parking lot and you just take out the front, but like the structure is still there and you can park inside of it at the very least. I mean, something. If it's between that and like what we're sitting in right now, why not? Let's get to our last stop here. This one is quintessential Route 66. Okay, hit me with it. Get your damn wings off her, Biff, because nobody, not nobody, calls me chicken boy <laughs> this is the story. that could have been the entire intro for this episode oh, been, so now you're allowing me to do back to the future intros again if it's you this writing that over four lines so this is the story of one of la's most beloved pieces of fine art and a great representation of route 66 roadside eye-catching the chicken boy statue chicken boy statue you might know it from highland park nowadays but originally this thing sat on top of the chicken boy fried chicken restaurant do you know much about this chicken boy I've seen pictures of it. I know that it had a different head at some point. No, it never had a different head. It was always a chicken boy? It was always a chicken Well, look, well, you'll see. Spontaneously, I'll tell you. It was the Chicken Boy Fried Chicken Restaurant on that old Route 66 Road, Broadway, downtown between 4th and 5th at 450 South Broadway. They opened in the fall of 1969, but to grab people's eyes, they wanted to do something big, 22 feet tall to be exact, and made of fiberglass. It was originally one of the old muffler men that we talked about that was made by International Fiber glass in Venice, but the restaurant wanted to have something along the lines of the tail of the pup or Randy's Donuts or the Brown Derby that showed exactly what it was they were selling. I assume the Brown Derby sold hats. So they took the muffler man body and modified it to have a giant chicken head made of fence posts and chicken wire that was made separately by another artist put on top and instead of a muffler in his hands, it was a bucket of fried chicken. It's pretty funny. You can't fix a car with that. I'd like to see you try. (laughs) Maybe a chicken mobile or something like that. Chicken boy's first car. And let it be known since he was made to be a muffler man he's the buffest chicken you've ever seen he's so ripped he's yoked chicken get it yeah um he was put on top of the restaurant towering over broadway in september 1969 and helped peddle the chicken boy brand of fried chicken which i hear specialized in a garlicky fried chicken which i've heard was great and I've also heard was terrible. <laughs> Unfortunately, this place I never got to try closed in the fall of 1983 when the owner died. But for some strange reason, the statue of the chicken boy lived on. And that strange reason is a woman named Amy Inouye. Inouye. Okay. You know her. I do? Uh, you don't know her, but I'm sure you've seen her name. I've seen her name every single time I do research for any episode. Like her name pops up. You saw her last name? I-N-O-U-Y-E. I might be pronouncing it wrong, which is why I call her Amy from now on. <laughs> That's probably a name, like as I said, a lot of people recognize because she's a local design artist who, among a lot of other things, has designed the covers for the books put out by Angel City Press. Oh, okay. She does all of those. Those are really good covers. She first moved to LA in the 70s to go to the Art Center College of Design. And when she came here, she found herself in a new, confusing city that wasn't always welcoming. But whenever she'd drive down Broadway, she'd always see the chicken boy. And it would always give her this kind of comfort. Like it was weird, it was silly, and it was constant. So it became this sort of visual anchor in the middle of her day that she was like 
safe or like she had a home in the city and she saw it every day for years but in the fall of 1983 she saw that the chicken boy restaurant had closed and she started to get concerned over what was going to happen to the chicken boy himself so she called the realtors listed on the building and they said whoever bought the building would probably just destroy it because they were probably just going to tear down the whole building and yeah it's los angeles we got to put a parking yeah. lot there we this gotta, we got to stack two different trader joe's on top yeah not related at all we're not going to save this like the rialto <laughs> this was not something amy wanted to hear she kept calling about it to find out more information and the construction team had no idea who she was or why she cared so much about this chicken boy and eventually they were just like if you want it so bad come get it wow and i don't know if they just gave it to her or she just paid a little bit of money but now the chicken boy statue belonged to amy as of may 4th 1984 the problem was she now owned a 22 foot tall <laughs> fiberglass statue of a buff-ass chicken human <laughs> like what is she gonna what where, are you gonna how do, do with you this? haul it where do you keep it that was the problem i guess her original thought was certainly a museum in town would want this she ended up having it in storage for 23 years oh my god most of the museums didn't respond to her when she contacted them and the rest said this isn't art we don't want this so she thought maybe it would go nicely under the triforium or at the metro or at mm-hmm. like a metro station this could be like a display yeah. at the metro station none of that happened meanwhile the chicken boy started defining her life like it consumed she's an artist in her own right yeah. but like her life started becoming chicken boy and she was the chicken boy's mom. She's chicken mom. Everyone knew she had it and it became her thing and she fully embraced this. She started making chicken boy shirts to give out to her clients as holiday gifts and then over the years she added chicken boy lapel pins, then watches, chicken boy watches, and then more and more things and word got out of these and people started wanting to buy them, which was great because she had to pay for storing a 22 foot tall chicken for 23 years. Yeah, that cannot be cheap. Eventually she made a mail order gift cap catalog of all of her chicken boy merchandise that had 14,000 subscribers at one point. One year she decided that September 1st was now chicken boy's birthday and some (laughs) listing of annual events grabbed onto that and listed September 1st as National Chicken Boy Day. Jesus. (laughs) And that was when radio shows started calling in to her artist studio on that day to fill time on the air with something weird. So this got more people aware of the existence of chicken boy and then radio shows from out of state started calling in about it which made even more people aware and then amy started getting calls from just random people asking for public viewings of chicken boys then others started calling saying i'll volunteer i'm willing to help clean it i'll paint it i'll I'll restore chicken boy and that's when it finally got enough sizzle behind it that chicken boy got called up to the big league the arco plaza underground mall offered to display chicken boy complete with a live radio broadcast of the unveiling this lasted a couple weeks before they got sick of it back to amy's storage so chicken boy is hidden again it wasn't until 2007 two decades later when amy was looking for a new location for her future studio design and gallery she finally found a building at 5558 north figueroa in highland park that not only accommodated her gallery but also had a roof that would be perfect for a chicken boy that's great it took winning a grant selling merchandise and money donated by the community but on october 18th 2007 chicken boy was up on top of a building once again for all the public to view and being on figueroa he was once again back on route 66 oh right chicken boy is a serious local celebrity that has kind of gone global amongst weirdos he's been profiled on british tv he's been mentioned in esquire and newsweek he's been on the front page of the wall street journal oh my god there was a short film about him 
called Chicken Boy, a chicken with attitude, <laughs> in which he comes to life and becomes a blues singer. There's a mos- just because you have muscles doesn't mean you have attitude. Let's just make that clear. You can be ripped and a nice guy. Look at me. <laughs> There's a mosaic on the sidewalk out front of Chicken Boy. Jesus. There's now Chicken Boy mugs, pens, patches, toothpick holders, a purse, a back scratcher, books, all of which you can buy online or in the gallery gift shop, which also has a little chicken museum in it. You can also go on the website and download a Chicken Boy membership card that you can print out and put in your wallet. We got to do it. It's pretty cool. He's become an icon of Highland Park. And according to Amy, at least, he's the Statue of Liberty of Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes, he has. Give me your hungry. Give me your wings. Give me your nuggets. She won the Governor's Preservation Award for her work with him in 2010. And she plans to get him granted historical status as well. And people just have this sort of visceral reaction to Chicken Boy, which at first I thought was a little grandiose. But as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh my God, we're Chicken Boy. We're the little weird thing that can't find a home. And I'm sure we're not the I'm not the only one. The story of his saga has been too tall to live, too weird to die. And the best explanation Amy has given for why she went through at this point almost a 40 year long relationship with this 22 foot tall modified muffler man is the same justification anyone could use for why we keep the tradition and memory of Route 66 itself going all these years after it's been deemed obsolete. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. That's the only explanation she has. It's fun and she likes it. There are no better reasons to do something. No, there isn't. Yeah, it's fun and it's dumb and I like it. (laughs) That's Chicken Boy. And that's Route 66. I'm listening to you tell a story and I'm realizing Chicken Boy wasn't always in Highland Park. Yeah, he was Why do I remember him being there when I was a kid? He clearly was not. I mean, 13 years ago, what were you, like 60? Oh, burn! That's the tood. to which i refer you know i don't think i've ever seen chicken boy or maybe i have and didn't understand what i was looking at that day, we probably saw him that day that we were driving around for take a walk and we're looking at all the murder we must spots have. i must have because we chicken walked boy. we stopped into a we were on fig yeah in highland park figure out that's that's my toot. Shortening word. <laughs> street toot. Yeah, street toot. I can't wait till it's safe again because I want to go in that gift shop and just buy a ton of stuff. Me too. I want to buy that. You said lapalpin. Like, oh, goodness gracious me. <laughs> when I'm at the next gala. Route 66. It's fun. Yeah, I like a Route lot 66. Of fun. I'd love to drive it. Me too. Maybe when maybe when the, when the world goes back to normal. When these trying times are over. over. When we can be one again. When we can just be a family. Yeah, when I drove the Amboy, I was really like, oh, I want to. The worst part of a road trip is turning around and coming back home. I just want to keep going forever <laughs> and never come back home and just be a man who lives on the road. Like, Mark Twain doing his comedy tour. A road in a river. Let's do it. Here's something for you to do. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, wherever you listen. You yeah. can, on Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, uh, open it up. You're logged in and just leave some stars. It helps us make us more visible, get us more attention, mm-hmm. which is what, what what separates us from Alberta Sistos is that we need the attention and we praise. crave being number yeah, one. Crave being in front of people, not being funny in front of people. I love it. I, get, I cannot get Ooh, enough of not being hear, funny. I can't wait to hear the silence again. <laughs> let's like let's end coronavirus so I can be shunned. Follow us on Twitter, like yeah. we uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all that. Support us on Patreon. You can be uh, talked about incessantly, like we did with Alberto Sistos mm-hmm. and Tyler. Hi uh, Tyler. Hi Tyler. Uh, Bye Tyler. <laughs> you're dead now, Tyler. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so support us on Patreon for a dollar. You can just support us. You'll be mentioned for five dollars or more a month. We can send you handwritten postcards every single month i'm starting to print my own also because Mm -hmm. i can't buy postcards anywhere but one guy just will not make a drawing that i want him to do so i can print more postcards in batch you want me to do it i gotta do i could do in crayon (laughs) those are fun right my way to get past everything is to make it cute how dumb i am and people are like oh he's so charming but really i'm just dumb and i know how to 
play it to my advantage. <laughs> I'm dumb and I got two. <laughs> if you want to submit, like we said, a listener question or just any comments to tell us how much you love intros, send us an email at la.meekly at gmail.com. Don't say a word. Don't even don't even open your Ooh, don't, don't give me that it. my don't, chest is getting hot if i hold it dude. in okay so yeah route 66 let's do it <laughs> it really <laughs> like, let's just keep repeating that this is the perfect time to have an rv because i don't want to stop in a hotel anywhere yeah. i don't want to use bathrooms but if i had an rv yeah i could just the camper people are really loving this route 66 sounds like a great trip right now yeah although it's not really though because you can't really stop at all the places yeah one day yeah it's weird to think that it is a part of los angeles like it doesn't fit the uh yeah i don't know LA almost has like a too cool attitude for that which it's really not it's really not the thing that really makes LA stand out is our embracing of chicken boy that is, it's it, the third largest city in, in the America in America and we we're like chicken boy is that chicken boy or we're I, different than New York like I said as I was reading I was like come on the chicken boys but like the more I think about it, like I really like chicken boy I really like, like I like everything chicken boy stands yeah. for I want to go to the gym and they're like so who are you trying to model your body off of and I just hold a picture of chicken boy <laughs> I can get you the body but the head's a little different we're gonna need a lot of chicken wire for this <laughs> So yeah, everybody uh, have a nice August. It's probably going to be miserably hot and you're yeah. all going to be forced inside. Keep staying safe if you are one of the people who is staying safe. If you're not one of the people who's staying safe, you're the reason I can't see my newborn nephew. Wear a mask. Let's cancel rent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> the Route 66 motto. Let's do it. Don't die. Let's end this. Let's let's be smart about this. Mm-hmm. The mayor's horrible. I can't stand him anymore. Yeah. And uh, I hate every organization in the city. But um, other than that, have a nice <laughs> August, and we'll August. see you in uh, September. September. We'll make the standard joke of wake me up when September ends. The no, August, we won't. We August did it, rush it's so jokes. good he did it now, so we don't have to do it later. <laughs> You're the one that always <laughs> does it. I'm the August rush guy. So yeah, everybody, we'll see you in a month's time. That's been yet another episode of LA Meekly. Complaining that we have too many parking spaces already when we're desperate to find parking spaces to record in nowadays. Since 2013. Since Since quarantine started. Since 20 quarantine. (laughs) 